Friday, February the 10th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said. It's a big one. It's the Super Bowl preview with Eric. We've talked about every single NFL game all throughout the year, and now it's time for the big one. We dive into everything, analysis for both sides, positives, negatives, prop plays, Rihanna songs, you name it. We're going to dive on into it right here uh, and get you all set up for the big game this weekend, Chiefs and the Eagles. Lots of horse racing on this episode. Friday, Gulfstream. Friday, Santa Anita. Then we dive into Saturday. Just a quick look at Aqueduct and Golden Gate. They've got a Kentucky Derby prep races there, so we take a, a little look. Then Saturday, Tampa. Big day with a couple stakes races there. Saturday, Gulfstream. Best bets. Saturday, Santa Anita. Best bets. And then we finish up with a really loaded episode of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We dive into everything that happened Last week on SmackDown with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. And then we get into WWE Monday Night Raw. We talked about NXT Vengeance Day last weekend, the pay-per-view. And then NXT on Tuesday night. Then AEW Dynamite. Positives, negatives, things we liked, things we didn't. Everything going on in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. You get all of that on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter and flip those notifications on because there is an incredible schedule of free content for you over there right now. A bunch of different handicappers and gamblers from all around the world that give you their insights, their reasoning, and then their best bets for all sorts of different sporting events. We've got Mohawk Mania on Mondays that covers the early pick five from Woodbine from Mohawk Racing. We have Puck It Up, the hockey show with Joe Madden and with Sam. We've got NBA shows on Wednesday and Sunday. We've got college basketball shows on Saturday. UFC big previews. Everything going on in the world of sports. We're talking about right there at BTV Bets. You know what else went down over the last couple days? The NBA trade deadline. There was a ton of player movement. Let's go through some of the big moves. And it all started really a few days ago with Kyrie Irving, uh, February the 6th. Kyrie gets traded from Brooklyn. Kyrie and Markeith Morris go to the Mavs. The Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Smith, a first-round pick, and two future second-round picks. So that's the first of the dominoes, and then things all start to really roll. You end up having another trade from Brooklyn. Uh, They get rid of Kessler Edwards. Then you have the Heat trade Deadman to the Spurs. You have the... LeBron reports come out that LeBron's very frustrated that the Lakers don't go get the uh, don't go get Kyrie and make the trade. Then Toronto, who was supposed to be a big seller, we kept hearing about um, Ano um, OG Inobi. We kept hearing about Trent. We kept hearing about um, Van Vliet. Possibilities for any of all of them to be traded. No, instead they actually get Podal. Purtle, their old uh, big center, the big man from the Spurs who's like a advanced metrics darling, really good defensively, very efficient, and uh, he heads back to Toronto. The Blazers trade Josh Hart. He was one of my personal favorites uh, on the Lakers. He's a really good role player. He can do a lot of different things for you, plays good defense, good efficient shooter, hits threes, rebounds really well, and uh, he heads to the Knicks. There was a really cool video of Jalen Brunson seeing the trade and getting the information because Brunson and Hart are former college 
uh, teammates and they played together and they're good friends. So excited to be reunited with the Knicks. And then the Lakers, the big domino falls. Was, uh, Russell Westbrook goes in a three-team deal. So the Lakers get D'Angelo Russell back. Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Those are three really solid rotation players for what the Lakers need. They needed more shooting. Vanderbilt will help them defensively, give them a little bit of versatility. Malik Beasley is a guy who can light it up off the bench. And D'Angelo, there'll be a lot less pressure on him um, and in a situation again like this where you know, you're know you off the ball a little bit more, you're going to be getting a lot of wide open looks playing next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. This is exactly what the Lakers needed. The problem the Lakers are uh, going to have right now is they just need to start winning games. They Plain and simple, they're in some serious trouble right now because this stretch recently of, of losses has now put them, you know, two and a half games out of the play-in. So... While you look at the Lakers, they're only five games out of the fourth spot in the West. But there's a ton of teams in front of them. They just lost to Oklahoma City, who was a team that they could have really used, gaining a little bit of an advantage over. And they got to start winning. If this was the Lakers roster at the beginning of the year, well, they would have been in a lot better shape. Unfortunately, they put themselves in a really bad spot now, and even after a, a spirited effort without LeBron on Thursday where they only had like eight or nine guys on the bench, Anthony Davis got in a little bit of foul trouble. They were leading a game at halftime, and then a good third quarter from Milwaukee flipped the game. They're in some trouble right now. they got to start winning games to get in. If they get in, they're going to be a scary team, a team that not many want to play if they're healthy and they have a much deeper roster and a better roster, but... A lot of work to do right now for the Lakers. So the Timberwolves ended up getting Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a 2024 second-round pick swap, a 2025, and a 2026 second-round pick swap. So they got three second-round. They got a pick swap and then two more second-round picks. Utah got Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 first-round pick from the Lakers. Now, we, uh, we started to see other things fall. After that, that was a big one, though, for the Lakers, and the Lakers also got Mo Bamba. They traded Patrick Beverly and a future second-round pick to get Mo Bamba, a nice interior defender. So, again, the Lakers, lots of movement. Pelicans end up trading Devontae Graham to the Spurs and and four future second-round picks for Josh Richardson. They have the Clippers and the Grizzlies in a three-team deal. Clippers get Eric Gordon back to the Clippers, and they get three second-round picks. The Grizzlies get Luke Kennard, and the Rockets get John Wall, Danny Green, and they uh, the right to the Bucks pick with the Clippers in 2023. Green hasn't really played a whole lot. He's kind of getting back into the rotation right now. You have to imagine he may be a candidate for a buyout and you know, possibly go to a, a team that could really use him, a veteran team that could use some shooting down the stretch uh, if he's healthy. You have the Atlanta Hawks getting Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando, and the Rockets get Kaminsky and Justin Holiday. Uh, the Warriors trade Wiseman. Wow. Crazy that they end up trading Wiseman for Sadiq Bay. Basically. Like, they trade Wiseman to the Hawks. The Hawks get, or they trade Wiseman to the Pistons. The Hawks get Sadiq Bay. Warriors get Knox and five second round picks. But it really, really crazy that Wiseman, he just has not been able to get it going. And they end up trading him, getting back Kevin Knox and a bunch of second round picks. We saw second round picks just flying around. 
So you get Darius Baisley to the Suns for Dario Saric in a second-round pick. You get the uh, the Nuggets sending Bones Highland, who was a good uh, little piece off the bench, to the Clippers. So the Clippers were pretty active. They pick up Bones Highland. They give up a couple second-round picks, 2024-2025 second-round pick. And it's reported that Westbrook, in a buyout situation, could join maybe the Clippers or the Heat. The Pacers get George Hill back in a trade for a second-round pick. The Blazers get Matisse Thibel. They trade, uh, it's a three-teamer with uh, the Sixers. The Sixers get Jalen McDaniels and a couple second-round picks. The Hornets get Svee Mikhailuk, old Laker, and a second-round pick. The Lakers send Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets for a few second-round picks. Give them a little flexibility. They also got Don, uh, Devon Reed. We saw the Lakers do that because they ended up making the move for Bomba. They also brought in Vanderbilt, and so now they have their big man rotation. It's a little more defensive than they needed with uh, Thomas Bryant. And a shout out to Thomas. I like him a lot. He could go and have just some good f- minutes and really light it up when uh, if Jokic needs a, a break or a breather here and there. The Bucks trade for Jay Crowder, who has not played this year at all. Remember, Jay was just traded from the Suns to the Nets in that Durant trade. Oh yeah, the Durant trade, which was the biggest one. Of the entire weekend Kevin Durant To the Suns And this really does change The dynamic and the complexion Of the Western Conference Because you have Durant now Alongside Chris Paul If he's healthy Booker Aiton The depth for this team is is going to be a concern And these are guys that are all Banged up quite a bit right Chris Paul is hurt a lot Especially come playoff time, Kevin Durant, for as great as he is when he's on the court, he has been banged up a lot through the years. But uh, same can be said for every team. If this team shows up come playoff time pretty close to healthy, they're going to be good. You have to imagine there will be a really popular place to go in the buyout market for some veterans that get bought out and are looking for places to go. So teams like... The Lakers and Clippers in years past have been destinations for those. The Lakers may get one or two more, but the Suns will probably need some veterans to come off the bench and give them a little depth off the bench. They're they're very top-heavy, and they could be really tough in a playoff series. Other small moves, Celtics uh, acquire Mike Muscala from the Thunder, and yeah, I think we got through a lot of the big ones. Trade, deadline, We'll have some uh, NBA talk now, some real deep dives into what's going on and what to look for in the you know final 25 games or so of the year. We're you know not a whole ton of time left now in the NBA regular season. Eric will talk with us. We'll bring on Dave also um, from the uh, the T Wolves, who's come on with us so many times and, and talked. And we'll uh, we'll get into NBA in that final portion of the NBA season. Now let's shift on over and talk some football. Before we do, let's talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can connect you with vendors if you're looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with, she has experience working with in her own home. 
Maybe you need help with a, a loan. She can connect you with a, a lender that will help expedite that process for you, make everything so much easier. That, that's her job, Cindy. She wants to make your life easier. Check all the boxes. There are going to be a lot of little things when you're trying to move or upgrade that you, you forget about or that really aren't on your radar. Let her take care of that. Let her help you out. Contact her, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. We move into... The Super Bowl, the big game. Eric has been here with us. Shout out to Eric, man. Such a good dude, such a good handicapper, such a good gambler, sharp as can be. And we dive into the big one, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Let's talk all about it with Eric. Kind of mixed feelings here as we get to the end of the NFL season. Uh, our good friend Eric from ETOF21 Sports has been with us. This is three years in a row, I think, every single game. Every single NFL game we have yeah. talked about, right? I think so. Nope. Um, all the way through each and every week, some shows will do their few best bets, but that's not us. We'll go through every single game. We'll tell you what we think is going to happen, positives, negatives, how we're going to uh, dive into each of those games. So, Eric, now it's time to talk about the big one. It is time to talk about the Super Bowl this weekend with the Chiefs and the Eagles. And, man, first and foremost, thank you again for all the hard work. It's always at this point of the year, like I said, it's – it's nice because football for people like us who um, seriously gamble and put a lot and lot of time and effort into NFL preparation, there's really nothing like that. Like how much prep it takes to get ready for an NFL weekend, watching all the games, rewatching, reading through stuff, advanced box scores. So when it's over, there is a little bit of a, okay, it's time for a sort of a break, right? It's nice to have a little bit of time off, but then at the same time, Man, I miss those Sundays when you kick back and you watch a football. There's just nothing like a football Sunday. I really was lost on Sunday. I really had no last idea week, right? Yeah, I had no idea, no idea at all what to do. I was like perplexed. I was like, oh my god, is this? I remember this feeling of actually being able to get stuff done. And it's yeah, weird because yeah. you forget you you know when football season's going, you forget what you do when it's not on anymore, right? It's like, what do I do on these Sundays now? When there's no football and it was like, you're right. It's such a weird, a weird feeling. So uh, we will have football this weekend on Sunday, but then that will be it. And on this show, you'll hear us transition start talking a lot more NBA as Eric and I are recording on Wednesday night. There was a fun uh, trade in the NBA for the Lakers and feel like some positivity in Laker land. So good things to talk about there. And we'll talk some college basketball too. Eric and I both host shows for better than Vegas every week talking NBA and college basketball. So we'll bring some of that conversation over here. But Eric, we have a ton to discuss. This is so much fun. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, the Super Bowl was really like the only game that had all of the props like they do now. Nowadays, you can play a lot of these props and in-game stuff in many games, but there's still nothing like the Super Bowl when you dive into the lists and lists of props for every single player, national anthem, halftime show, you name it. They've got it. You can find a way to play it in this game. So we'll dive into the game. We'll do our analysis and talk about, you know, some of the major points. And then at the end, let's get into uh, some of our plays and the props and things that we're looking at. And then one year, Eric, I want to make sure that one year you and I make a wager on every single prop under one year. We're going to do it and just under every single prop. Cause if you did it, you'd hit more years than not. This is something that you and I joke about at the beginning of every year when we do 
the future wagers, right? Or props that we're looking at season-wide. If you just took everyone's props and went under based on injuries and all the things that happened throughout the year, um, scheme changes, um, players that either get benched or move up and down the depth chart, it's always better to go under. Just a, It's not something that a lot of people want to play, right? Nobody likes playing an under well, prop and sitting there. I mean, I'm thinking bad at it right now. The only overs I played in player props for the whole season, like for the duration, was Evan Ingram just because they're insanely priced so low. So low. Yep. And I think the only one I lost was Delvin Cook rushing yards over. I mean, and, and that I barely had, got there, right? I had the majority of stuff under, so. It's always that way. It's just, it's not sexy to play the under, but there's so many variables in order to get over in all of these uh, particular props. So we dive in to the Chiefs and the Eagles. We have the Eagles right now as a minus one and a half point favorite in this game. And we're looking over at Betfred Sportsbook at the betting line. The over-under is 51. Now we'll set the game up. It's the first Super Bowl between two black starting quarterbacks. We have the youngest combined age between starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history with Patrick Mahomes and with Hertz. We have the first brothers to face off in a Super Bowl with the Kelsey brothers. We have the head coach from the Chiefs, Coach Andy Reid, against his former team with the Eagles. The number one scoring team in the AFC versus the number one scoring team in the NFC. These are the top two teams in the league in sacks, so they can both put pressure on the quarterback. This is only the eighth time since the playoffs were expanded back in 1990 that we actually have both number one seeds, and it's only the seventh time with a spread of less than three, two and a half points or shorter in the game. Now, it's kind of the overall uh, setup on this one. Eric, we uh, head to the Eagles, who two playoff wins, they've come by a combined 69 to 14. Shout out to their right tackle, Lane Johnson. He had a torn adductor. He's kind of one of the unofficial leaders of that team, and he had that injury back on Christmas. It was a groin uh, strain, and he put off surgery so he could come back and play in the playoffs. He missed the final two games of the regular season, comes back from the playoffs. He's one of only eight guys on the team from the Super Bowl team back in 2017. What's nice? He was able to sit out the whole fourth quarter against San Francisco a couple weeks back because they were up big. Um, they had all 22 regular starters healthy in the conference championship game, did the Philadelphia Eagles. So think about that. They were, they were completely healthy. The 49ers, we know they weren't healthy. We saw what the 49ers were dealing with. The, the Chiefs, we know they weren't healthy. They were losing wide receivers all throughout the game. And the Bengals were missing three offensive line starters. And then you've got the Eagles, who had all 22 regular season starters healthy. That offense went 11 plays, 66 yards, and five minutes on the opening drive to score a touchdown and go up by seven. Now, they did benefit from a big fourth down completion that should not have been ruled a catch. And they hurried up, so that way Kyle Shanahan couldn't challenge. They ran to the line and snapped the ball quickly. Two plays later, they score a touchdown. You know, following that, they weren't all that sharp offensively. The next three drives, they went three and out, four and out, three and out, only combined 13 yards on 10 plays on those three drives. They only had 269 total yards of offense, 3.8 yards per play on 10 total drives, but the running game was really strong for them. And they didn't really need to throw the ball all that much, Eric. They finished with 148 yards rushing, 44 rushing attempts. A lot of that was late when they were running at the clock. You know, they ended up with 15 more minutes of time of possession, but 90 seconds left to go in the half. It's a tie game at 7-7. Going into halftime, they're down 21-7. to The Eagles score 14 points in the span of one minute and 20 seconds. And that, that was it for a 49ers team that, 
couldn't throw the ball at that point. They weren't going to be able to come back from like a double digit deficit. They needed to stay in that game. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the major points that, that you're seeing with these sides. So first of all, like, as you know, I coach kids. I have to do my Jalen Hurts rap. Okay. We live in a world right now where all these kids, if they don't get what they want, like playing time, they look to leave. If you just look at this Jalen Hurts story, four-star recruit, Lane Kiffin recruited him. Nick Saban didn't even go to his house for the recruiting trip. Few people know this. Goes to Alabama, becomes their starting quarterback, first one in 30-some-odd years to be a freshman starter. Leads them to the national championship game scores the go-ahead touchdown with like two, three minutes left. And that's the game where Lawrence hit Renthrow with a couple seconds left to win it. So not really his fault they lost the game. He put him in the position. He got the game-winning touchdown on his legs. Next year, what happens? What's the big change at Alabama? Lane Kiffin. No, Kiffin leaves Uh, to be be the quarterback. Kiffin leaves. And that was his guy. And Kiffin likes the mobile quarterback. Kiffin's more of a new guy, more of an open up guy, more, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and then Stark comes in, Stark and Saban don't like mobile quarterbacks. They like the pocket passer, what Tua is. Yep. They lead him to the national championship game. Now everyone's all narrative is this. Oh, Tua played great in the second half. He led him to the title. But the thing is this, if you look at that game, when he played in the second half, his completion percentage was less than 58 yards. He had 111 yards passing. 40 of them came on that touchdown to win it. So, like, it's it's a little narrative grace that Tua played this great game where if you just dive into the numbers, really not that good in the second half. Then the following season, he could have transferred, but he honors his commitment, doubles up on his class load so he can transfer early, so he can graduate early and leaves. End of the year, Tua gets hurt. He comes in. He wins the SEC championship game for them. He The roles were reversed. He comes in, leads them to the SEC championship game. National championship game, they're going back. Who are you going to start? Tua Hurts, Tua Hurts. They start with Tua. They get absolutely boat raced by Clemson in the national championship game. Then um, goes to Oklahoma, breaks every single record there gets drafted by the Eagles. These guys in the offensive line, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, as you mentioned, they didn't even acknowledge him. They thought the pick was awful. Carson yeah. Wentz was their guy. Peterson yep. didn't acknowledge him. And he just shut up and he just did work. I mean, that's I, I, I will say, I that, never thought he was going to be a starting NFL quarterback either coming out. I didn't think he made, I thought he was a good leader and had some of those intangibles. I didn't know if he was a, a good enough like thrower of the ball, but it's just a combination of everything, right? It's the it's the package that he can throw. He's improved. He works hard. He can run. He's a good leader. He inspires guys. You put it all together, and there's just a lot of positives that the guy has, man. Yeah, and I mean, like, this should be the story. Like, I remember last year, uh, Joe Burrow this, Joe Burrow that, Joe Burrow this. That story I just told, you're not hearing anyone in the media talk about. No. Um, in terms of the game, I really felt like, Kyle Shanahan just kind of rolled over. Oh yeah, he just, did. Just kind of rolled over. Um, I really wasn't that impressed with the game from the game plan. Um, you got to have something going on. Jimmy G should have been activated, just because you have to have a contingency. If what's his just case, in John- case what happened, just in case, like you said, you have to have 
a third guy back there just in case in that game. Yeah, just in case. Because if you know Johnson can't throw. Why is you he? You can't even a, go to him. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a contingency plan. You have to run the Wildcat something. And this is what kind of what Shanahan is showing to us. Great planner, great schemer, great everything. But if something goes awry, he can't do anything. I mean, he's blown two double-digit leads. They're up 20 to 10 in the against the, the Chiefs a couple years ago. When the Chiefs and the Rams came back, game last year too, they could have won yep, Rams game, and then also twenty eight to three against the, the Patriots. Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, he gets tight. Also, he gets cute. He's one of those really great yeah. play play callers. But when it comes to decision making, like example, compare him to Sirianni. Sirianni went for it fourth down all the time throughout the year. They were three for three on fourth down. They're an incredible team when it comes to quarterback sneaks. The 49ers could do exactly what the Eagles do on, on quarterback sneaks. The 49ers have a great running game and a running scheme, and they're super creative. The first two times the Eagles completed a fourth down last or in the game against the 49ers, they were on drives that eventually became touchdowns. So think about that. If they don't go for it on those two fourth downs, if they just punt, that wipes 14 points off the board right there. Yep, yep. Um, in terms of the other game, look, I know people are going to talk about the officiating, this, that, and the other thing. I think the big thing was that Spagnola brought pressure. Jones and everybody were able to get to Burrow, knock him off, off key. And then Mahomes did enough. Kelsey is obviously a little bit more banged up than we all realize. They were lining him strictly outside because they didn't want to take hits. And there was a couple times when he would do that curl route, it, he would just pitch it. Is that because, is that a design where Reed's trying to get fancy or are they hiding Kelsey because they don't want him to take that hit to that back? That's something that kind of stood out to me. They, Sneed went down with an injury with a concussion. We still don't know if he's going to play or not. I'd like to assume he's going to be playing, but, and rightfully so, everyone's so protective with these concussions. But when I look at the game, my, my big thing is this. I look at the game, I look at the Eagles defensive line against the, the Chiefs offensive line. Eagles most sacks by far in the NFL, able to get home against the 49ers quarterback and the 49ers quarterback, Johnson or Purdy, whoever back there. That offensive line in my rankings is rated higher than the Chiefs. Yeah, they were one of the best. They were one of the best. At 18 on my rankings. So I think that they're going to be able to get home against Mahomes and now this is going to put pressure on Mahomes and that and that ankle injury you don't really know how he's how is he going to be able to move what is he going to look like movement wise I think the big thing we need to look at in this game is when the active list comes out Saturday night Saturday afternoon if we see an abundance of tight ends active for the Chiefs I think this is going to be a heavy Pacheco game and they're really going to run lean on that run because we have to remember Andy Reid's been in the situation before a couple years ago when they played against the Bucks and the Bucks D line was just living in that backfield. So is Reed going to have, you know what I mean? Is it going to be a little bit more of a tight end centric offense where they're going to have two tight ends staying back and just be rolling two wide receivers out one of which being Kelsey. Because we need to remember Tony, Juju, Hardman, et cetera, et cetera. All those guys are hurt. 
Yeah. So I really and, and, and Kelsey was even like, but all three of those guys and Kelsey had a back injury too. So yep. all of them banged up plus Mahomes. So you're right. I I, I think that could be something they I try to lean on. Like we need to kind of be monitoring because that's going to kind of lead the game. Um, in turn on the Eagle side, I just don't know when we look at it. They really struggle against number one wide receivers DVOA. AJ Brown, they struggle in the slot. Devontae Smith, middle of the road against the tight end, and really struggle defending the run. I just don't know what Spagnola is going to do to limit this attack. Now, I think one of the big things is, is you mentioned it, Johnson's hurt. Is Johnson going to be able to keep up throughout the whole game against Johnson, against the Greek kid, George K, whose name I Perloftis, can't pronounce. Jones, Clark, they Rick Clark. Are going to be able to keep up? Also, how, how is Hertz going to look? Hertz, Hertz was a little off. I think Hertz yeah. is still a little bit down Down up. the field, he's only three for 10 throwing down the field since his, since his injury. Now, that's a small sample size, right? And you would expect there to be a little bit of rust, but he was very accurate down the field through a lot of the year. Since... He seemed like he is again. He doesn't. Nobody wants to get hit, but he's been a little tentative running and taking hits. He hasn't had to do much though the last couple of weeks, right? So it's hard to to gauge because why are you scoring fifty points if you don't have to, and why are you putting a bunch of stuff out there on film that you don't need when you've already got these games wrapped up? Yeah, I mean, it just you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, I can't really add anything yeah. to that because if they're so far ahead, there's no real thing. I. Betting this game for me is pretty stress-free because I have the Eagles 30 to one and I have the You're in great shape. I'm in great shape. But I really think the the things that are going to be the telling sign to me watching the game beforehand, like I mentioned, the tight end situation for the Chiefs. What is Willie Sneed's health? Because if Sneed isn't there, they're going to be relying an awful lot on Joshua Williams. And how good does Lane Johnson look? getting off and being able to protect is he able to slow down jones because if i'm spagnola i'm putting jones over johnson every single time until you know what i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna look to exploit that i'm not gonna have him on the other side and how does hurts look when throwing that are gonna be the four things that are kind of the puzzle maker if you will for me variables as you're looking at the game no i mean you know me well enough i always talk about trenches i like it excuse me, I locked in the Eagles right away just because I think they have a huge advantage on both sides. I think they're going to be able to get to Mahomes. I think they're going to be able to protect Hurts. And when you look at it, they are bottom three defending Brown, Smith, and Sanders, those three positions. They're bottom three defending those positions. How are they going to be able to get stops? What are they going to do to get the Eagles off center? Now, it feels like... It feels like played a ghost game and they do get like the deer in the headlights look like that. that I could see that scenario set out. Mm-hmm. Eagles really haven't been battle tested and everyone's no. making a lot about their schedule. Well, you know, you, you play, you, they don't make, this isn't college football. They don't like, they don't, you make don't pick games. who you schedule, right? Yeah. You're not choosing to schedule these games. It's just, and they've beat the crap out of, it's not like they've just gotten by these teams either, right? Like they've beat the crap out of the, the poor schedule. Here's who they've played recently. You know, they had the, the, based on whatever metrics they looked at, that you looked at, they either had the worst or the 31st strength of schedule this year, only behind San Francisco. 
Here's a list of the recent quarterbacks they played. Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson, Daniel Jones, Davis Webb, Andy Dalton, Dak Prescott, Justin Fields. So you could have said any one of Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen would have been a massive step up for them based on who they've faced recently. I think anyone that would have come out of the AFC would have been probably the toughest opponent that their defense would have had to face and match up with. So that is a thing. Absolutely. I think they are stepping up here. It just feels like, and I'm going to talk, we'll talk out this a little more and I've got some stuff on both sides, but it does feel like the Eagles have just way more ways they can win this game. I feel like, right? Like if it's like, Oh, the Eagles can run. They can play. Like if this is a low scoring game, if this is it, like, if Mahomes isn't very, very good, the Chiefs aren't winning. Yeah. That's it. Like, I'll I'll say this. Like, motivation is a real thing. And I think one of the big things here that, again, is not being talked about by the media, Sirianni was the wide receivers coach for the Chiefs. And when Reed came in, he didn't retain him. He let him go. And I've, I know some guys in Philly, some guys that do some work for the Eagles, and they've openly told me like look a little animosity there huh Sirianni off and one of the <laughs> reasons why Sirianni went there is he wanted to be better at he want you know what I mean you know how Reed is mm-hmm. one of the most he wanted to take that away because he is pissed off about that and I think that's one of the things that isn't being talked about enough just because I love that stuff like that is real like you know what yeah. I mean oh like, yeah looks doesn't think you're good enough to do this and you're kind of like f you dude i'm good enough i'm gonna show you you know what i mean you get that little Mm -hmm. extra motivation to go after so uh let's get some tidbits on both sides here on the eagle side they play against san francisco and those injuries were just too much warner gets banged up on the third play of the game purdy elbow injury fumbles gets hit backup johnson comes into the game johnson who's played on eight different teams he's had 10 different stints over the last six years he just was not good. You couldn't really expect him to be good. He gets sacked twice, three delay of game penalties. He loses a fumble, drops a perfect snap. Then he gets a head injury. They got to bring Purdy back into the game, and he literally can't even throw the ball more than a few yards down the field. They only had 164 total yards in that game, 3.6 yards per play, 11 total first downs on 10 total drives. McCaffrey was the emergency quarterback, and as Eric was pointing out, at one time it looked like they're almost getting him ready to go into the game, but you could see they didn't really have much of a scheme. This really good rushing attack, they only ran for 81 yards. Now for the Eagles, Hurts passed for a season low, 121 yards, because he really didn't need to. The the lack of offense for San Francisco, though, it forced them to be more aggressive, and they were sloppy. The 49ers had 11 penalties for 81 yards, and just like a lack of discipline. This is kind of what happens, though, Eric, right? your defense will start to get frustrated when you're, you know that your offense can't do anything and you, you kind of try to do everything you can. And then a late hit comes in or a penalty. You start trying to do a little bit too much, right? You start trying to do more than you can because you know, the offense is getting the ball and they're not able to move the ball at all down the field. Heck the Eagles only had 269 total yards. And they got seven first downs from penalty. That was the most in a playoff game in the last 20 years. The 49ers only gave up 33% third down conversions. It was just that lack of offense that killed them. 49ers had five, uh, three turnovers, and they were 0-5 this year in games where they lost the turnover battle. For the Eagles, all four of their touchdowns against the 49ers were rushing touchdowns. They have now set an NFL record with 39 rushing touchdowns. It was uh, the most since 
1924, a team that you actually bet that year, Eric, you had the future on the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, uh, I believe. Yes, to win it all. I was heavily uh, right? invested. Heavily I think invested. so. In, in old Frankfurt. Um, and you know what? The issue this year has just been their health for Philly. Once, if, if we've seen Jalen Hurts be healthy, they've been good. They're 16-1 and one with him as their starter. And Never you talked about the with Hertz and Jordan Davis playing together. Yeah. Just unbelievable stuff. They finished with a quarterback pressure rate. This is what you were getting at. Their mm-hmm. rate 62%. That was the highest in any Eagles game in the next gen stats era dating back to 2016. The defense now has 78 sacks on the season. That's the third most in NFL history. Only the 1984 and 1985 bears have more. Like the legendary teams that we hear getting talked about, the 85 Bears. Five sacks, the Eagles would break the all-time record. They averaged more than four sacks per game this year. And it's not fluky. They were first in pass rush wins and first in pass rush win rate. This defense is the first defense to allow seven or fewer points in multiple playoff games since the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. And Hertz has 15 rushing touchdowns for the season. That's tied for the most in the NFL in the NFL history for a quarterback in the single season. Reddick was awesome. He had a sack fumble on the first offensive possession for them in uh, his 19 and a half sacks this year in 19 games. He didn't make the playoffs during his first five years. You know, you talk about motivation again, Eric. That's another one, right? A guy like that who's a game changer, he's never even been on a big stage ever. He's never yeah. been on a big stage. Carolina and Arizona, and now he gets to go out there and go, oh, hey, I'm one of the best players in the league that probably nobody knew about. Like, you yep. guys didn't know about me. I can make some stuff happen in here. They are just the fifth team in NFL history to win back-to-back playoff games by at least 21 points. The other four teams to do that all won the Super Bowl. That offensive line was fantastic against the San Francisco defensive front. They gave up just five combined pressures, not a single sack or a quarterback hit on 27 passing plays. And that secondary, they're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes. They ranked first in forced incompletions and in interceptions during the year. They ranked third in the league in 15-plus yard passes allowed, and they were second in open target percentage. That is the best secondary in the league. They have a very strong one-two punch at wide receiver. And over the last two games, over the last nine games, it's basically like co-number one wide receivers. Smith is averaging 8.8 targets per game. 81.6 receiving yards. Brown, 8.8 targets, 84.6 receiving yards. Both of them averaging 8.8 targets and both averaging over 81.5 receiving yards. Just really, really well-balanced stuff from top to bottom. Now let's flip to the Chiefs side. They are listed as a playoff underdog for the first time since 2015. Patrick Mahomes has never been an underdog in the playoffs in 13 games in his career as an underdog in the regular season, seven, one and one straight up six and three against the spread. You talked about their health though. Eric Mahomes, Juju Hardman, Tony, Kelsey, Sneed, Willie Gay, all banged up. They had a little chip on their shoulder last week. They didn't love the, to hear all that burrow head chatter. The, the mayor's taking shots at them. Mahomes wasn't the man. They loaded up four sacks in the first half. They set the tone. They made the Bengals uncomfortable in the first quarter. They posted a quarterback pressure percentage of 50%. 
That defense finished with two interceptions with five sacks. Four of those first eight dropbacks were sacks. And then they had the big one um, with eight minutes or in the, the big one with, uh, what, 41 seconds to go, third and eight. And Jones comes up with a huge sack that gets the ball back to the Chiefs. Now they're headed to the Super Bowl for the third time in the last four years. Chris Jones was incredible in that game against the Bengals. Four tackles, three for loss, two sacks, five quarterback hits, six pressures. In the first meeting against the Bengals earlier this year, he only had two hurries on 37 pass rushing snaps. Against a banged up Bengals offensive line, he destroyed them. And it was the defense for the Chiefs that came up big. The Bengals had the ball twice in the fourth quarter with the game tied and a chance to put the Bengals up. And the Chiefs defense got an interception and then a big sack. And Mahomes played through pain. He was 29 of 43, 326 yards, two touchdowns. He accounted for like almost all of their net yards in the game because they couldn't run the ball at all. And everybody was banged up. He's the highest graded quarterback in the NFL since he came in in 2018. He threw for a career high in passing yards this year, throwing 41 touchdowns to 11 different players. And he's 10 and three in the playoffs in his career. Um, The penalties really hurt the Bengals. A couple of them were questionable penalties, but you know what? At the end of the game, there was a no doubt about it. Unnecessary roughness penalty that gave the chiefs the yardage needed to attempt the game winning field goal. They did benefit from what looked like a third down where they got stopped. It was declared a non-play. The officials blew the play dead. It became like a weird fourth and then fifth down that everybody was talking about. Kelsey, he was the man for them again. Seven catches, 78 yards, one touchdown, meaning he has the second most receiving yards in postseason history. And he is tied for second in career playoff touchdowns all time. He's trailing Jerry Rice in both of them. I mean, they, they weren't fantastic though either they had a chance at the end of the first half to score they didn't they opened the third quarter with a drive and got nothing they leaned on Valdez Scantling you never know who it's going to be to have a big game for you right it could be just different guys that step up and because of attrition it was Valdez Scantling who had caught all six of his catchable targets 116 yards all six of his catches went for first downs five first downs and a touchdown And 73 of his yards came from passes 10 or more yards down the field. All three of the 20-plus yard completions went to him. This team couldn't run the ball. 27 yards on 15 carries for their running backs. They just, you you cannot be one-dimensional like that against the Eagles. They will tee off on you with their really good secondary. Tony missed a pass in the end zone. They had another touchdown run taken away by holding. They let the Bagels go 90 yards for a field goal drive with no timeouts in the final two minutes before halftime. Those are the things that will kill you. Some of the weaknesses for their defense. They allowed the third worst QBR to according opposing quarterbacks in the league. In the red zone, they allowed a touchdown on 67% of their opponent's trips in the red zone. That ranked 31st in the league. And they were the only team among the bottom six in that metric to make the playoffs in red zone percentage uh, touchdowns allowed. And the Eagles actually are third in the red zone efficiency as far as scoring on over 67% of their red zone trips. So that could be a huge thing. Can the Chiefs get a stop or two in the red zone? Because the Eagles are very good in the red zone. For a team like the Chiefs, something that we point out when you make trades, when you have a quarterback, like Mahomes, Eric, this is something that I really learned from talking with you. You need to be lucky. You need to be good in the draft. And they have been very, both of those. Look at just last uh, last week in the game, in the AFC title game, they got a nice return from Sky Moore, who's had an up and down year. 
They had a big game from Pacheco. Their rookie cornerbacks, McDuffie and Williams, had big contributions. And Karloftis, who you and I have had fun butchering his name all year, he had a sack in that game. So you have rookies step up and contribute. If they don't get those contributions from them, they're not here, Eric, because they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room with Mahomes making as much money as he does. Yeah, you got to be... You got to be on point with everything, like you said, on the draft and everything. You can't afford to to miss because if you miss on the draft, it's just it's just bad because you can't afford once you pay these pay these salaries. And the Eagles are going to be in this position because they're going to have to pay Hertz. Hertz yep. is up pretty soon for a for a new contract. Yep. You pointed out that the Chiefs rank thirty first in DVOA against the wide receivers, uh, and this could be just a massive game for either AJ Brown or for uh Devonte smith so lots of tidbit uh, lots of tidbits both uh ways eric get into some of our plays um you know what are you diving into how are you looking to play this game and talk to us about some props that you might be looking at well first of all let me show off my extraordinary math skills obviously if the chiefs are going to win it's going to be mahomes that's going to be the mvp correct yep or yes. or maybe kelsey yes those are pretty much the only two people if I that's agree. the way you think, okay, if you, let's say, if you put $100 on the homes at plus 130, and if you put $13.53 on Kelsey at 16 to 1, you're walking away with $116 profit either way. So, I yes. mean, just just looking at the math, that's that's one way we're doing it. Um, I obviously said I took the Eagles, the main thing being the trenches and everything. I'm not, you know... That's just how I'm going to do. I think they have with the playmakers, the trenches. I don't know how the Chiefs are going to get enough stops. My first bet: Eagles and Chiefs under 24 and a half. The last 17 years, the first half under is 11, five and one. That's 69 percent against the number. It's hit four of the last five years. The Eagles are going to have long, long drives that will chew the clock. These teams do not want to lose the game in the first half. I expect it to be a very vanilla game plan with them not taking many chances, kind of having a feeling out process. Both quarterbacks are pinged, banged up. And if we get to a scenario where the Chiefs like to run the ball, as I mentioned with the tight ends being active, which we'll find out Saturday, I really like that even more. Connected to that, I put more points scored in the second half than the first half. You look historically in the Super Bowl, the most points are scored in the fourth quarter. Teams are willing to take a little bit more chances. And I like playing it like this than I do like taking the second half over. We saw when your Rams played the Patriots, it was what was this, like a 3-0 game. And then the, at half, then there was just one touchdown in the second half. Yeah, which is more score. more scored is great. That's yeah. It just gives yeah. you way more just, wiggle room. Yeah, way, way more, more wiggle room. Yes. So I like playing that in the, in the Super Bowl. So – that's another one I locked in. I found this one on bet online. Eagles to have more sacks. I got all the way at plus 109. I really like that one just because we mentioned about the advantages they're going to have. I have the Chiefs 17 as my offensive line pass pro rankings. Eagles, obviously the best defensive line in the in football. Multiple guys with double-digit sacks. I think they're going to be able to get home. So I like the Eagles most sacks plus 109. Um. I also locked in. I really feel that the Chiefs are going to lock in on Reddick because he had such a good game last game. And this is going to open stuff up for Hargrave, Hargrave and Sweat. 
Hargrave did have one, one sack last game, one sack last game. Sweat has five sacks in his last five games. I think they're both going to be able to get home. You can find those numbers at plus 125 and plus 150. Anything lower than plus 125, though, I wouldn't play. I think both those guys are going to be able to get home and get to Mahomes. Another one I did, will the opening kickoff be a touchback? I did this at no at plus 160. This one, I, a couple weeks ago on my live stream, I used to coach this kid named Reed. Reed played college, was a college, a very successful college quarterback. And he gave this one out for the last five have been returned. When you look at the Eagles and the Chiefs, when you look at their kick, their touchback rate, it's not that high. Last night on my live stream, Weaver, Dave Weaver made an interesting point too, because he had this one too. He said how he was listening to my least favorite guy in the world, Pat McAfee. And McAfee said, <laughs> how, this, is a, this isn't a ball, a normal ball. So normally in a kickoff, like if you're team A, I'm team B, I have, I'm a kicker. I have my football and I can kind of like rough it up and get it the way I want it. You can do the same because you're on the opposite team when we kick off. The first kickoff though, that ball goes in the hall of fame. So it doesn't have like the scruffing and everything. So that's that's why McAfee says we see more of these returned. I locked this in at plus one sixty. I locked this in a Look little bit. Look at you earlier. even taking some tidbits from the the folks that you don't love. That's what I like oh, about no, no, Eric. No, 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 you won't no, discriminate. No, no, I my boy Reed, who was on my thing two weeks ago, he gave this one to me. He so. led you to that. Okay, okay. He, he led, the, this is what Weaver was saying last night when Weaver okay. was on um, on mine. <laughs> um. The first half one, Jared McKinnon, longest rush under eight and a half yards. He has not had a rush attempt go over this total since the Texans game on December 18th. In the last four games, we've seen Pacheco take over the early down work and McKinnon become the pass catching back. Since that game on December 18th against the Texans, McKinnon has 24 carries for 43 yards. That's less than two yards per carry. Also, CMC is coming back. That could easily mean a decrease in snaps and carries for. Or CEH, right? Oh, yeah, I think you said CMC. Yeah. Um, that's going to lead to a decrease. That could lead to a decrease for McKinnon. Next one, I took my boy Devontae Smith. I took his over. I got this at 60. It's at 63 now. I would still take it. Devontae Smith, uh, when you look at the slot wide receiver against the Chiefs last couple of weeks, boy, two targets, two receptions. 40 yards. He left the game early, went over his total. Kirk, 14 targets, seven receptions, 52 yards, went over his total. Renfro, seven targets, seven receptions, 63 yards, went over his total. In the last three games, 7.6 targets per game, 5.3 receptions, 51.6 yards. In pressure situations, people tend to lean on those they know slash trust more. Hertz and Smith went to college together. I expect him to target it often. Plus, I mentioned Willie Sneed. If Sneed can't go... That means Joshua Williams is going to be playing in that slot cornerback position. That's really something they're going to look to take advantage of it. And the Chiefs also run a pass funnel system. That basically means they take away the outside. They kind of funnel everything in the middle of the field. That's where Devontae Smith is going to be living. So I absolutely love him. We've mentioned how the Chiefs are 31st DVOA against opponents wide receiver runs. They have two rookies, McDuffie and Watson. They're going to be guarding A.J. Brown. 
I locked in Browns over a 68 and a half off of I'm heavy Brown too. I'm heavy Brown props. I'm, I'm Brown first time, first touchdown score. If, as we'll talk about with BTV uh, on BTV this week, he's at plus a thousand. Um, and he's one that I'll be throwing in. And I think he's very live. If you're looking for like an MVP, I wouldn't have a problem with him. I think if you're looking for more, a non-traditional MVP, I'm okay with AJ Brown. If you don't want to go with the quarterbacks either. Cause I just, it was sort of a quiet last couple of weeks for him. They haven't really needed him. He's the type of guy in these big games that he's just tough to tackle. I could see him busting through and breaking one open. Lots of AJ Browns for me too. Yeah. So I took him over the 68 and a half uh, receiving. I wouldn't go over 75 though. 75. No, no. Yeah, I agree. Um, And it's really hard. Like we kind of touched on it. It's kind of hard to judge just because they really haven't needed to use him to uh to have anything to do anything and then in terms of the mvp i said it i don't know why it is but jalen hurts just gets no love from anybody and we can all kind of see a scenario where it's somebody else and i really think that one thing that kind of gets lost in this thing is the chiefs has really been bad against the running back so what what i'm gonna do this is kind of like where my head is. If I'm going to bet a hundred bucks on the MVP, I'm going to put 25 on Brown at 18 to one. I'll put 25 on Sanders at 25 to one. Then I'm going to put 25 on my boy, Devonte Smith at 31 to one. And then I'm going to look for long shots I really think a long shot that has a little bit of a value is Kenny Kenneth Gainwell. We've sure. seen him kind of like be the receiving back. If Sanders, who does have hamstring injuries, if he gets back, he's at 130 to one. So if I throw five, if I throw twelve dollars on him, and then I would look down and I would put Juju Smith Schuster at 75. I mean that, like that. No, not not Juju. I'm I'm sorry. Dallas Gober at sixty to one. Sorry. Goddard. Yeah, Goddard. Also. I mean that's I, kind of how I would do it. I would just kind of spread it out because I don't think they're going to give it to Hurts. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't get the kind of love that you're discussing. Um, couple things that I might be looking at, and we can kind of bounce these off. So heads is one four of the fast the five past coin flips. If you're the type of person that likes to play those things, um, orange Gatorade. I'm going orange Gatorade plus 250. It's been blue three of the last four years, but when the Chiefs won and Andy Reid, it was orange. So let's go back to orange at plus money at plus 250. Now, if you're looking, if you're a fan of either of these teams, since the spread is so close, like if you play the Chiefs to win by seven to 12, so just the Chiefs by a touchdown, that's plus 550. Like if you like the Chiefs, that's a great way to get value at just winning by seven, winning by a touchdown plus 550 on the Chiefs. Think about how rare it is to get a number like that ever. Now, this one's a a little cute, but I actually like this one quite a bit. How many players will have a passing attempt in this game? I locked I in the over for that one. I that's I, I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Where'd you find that? I locked one in the over at, at plus 175. I'll shoot you a yeah, pl- over two and a half at plus 175. So and I and I mapped this out, Eric. Um, I'll send you the link where I played it. So we have the two quarterbacks, obviously. And then if either quarterback gets hurt, you already get it. You're already going to have another quarterback throw a pass. So right off the bat, 
we don't want to root for injury, but if Mahomes comes out of the game and if we have Henny throw a pass, there's three. If Minshew has to come into the game and throw a pass, there's three. But let's say the quarterbacks stay completely healthy. We have Kelsey, who has thrown three passes in his career. Tony has thrown three passes in his career. Townsend has thrown three passes in his career. McKinnon has thrown three passes in his career. Brett Kern has thrown two. A.J. Brown has thrown two. Zach Paschal has thrown two. And Jake Elliott has thrown one. So we even get fake, you know, think about that, like a fake punt or a fake field goal. Anyone else to throw a pass besides our two quarterbacks and we get plus 175. I like that one. If you can find it out there, it was on, like you said, Eric, it was tough to find in a couple books. I found it in a few um, look around for how many players will have a passing attempt plus plus one seventy five at over two and a half. You got it. I gave that one out last year. Cause I'm friends with a Ram scout. And he told me, he was like, dude, he's like, they're running the play with, with Beckham to roll to the left. Yep. Because Beckham's left-handed, obviously Beckham went down but we did hit it because Mixon did get that touchdown pass to T Higgins. Yep. But then also Cooper cup did attempt to pass. So, so that, the, I, I like that. that. People yeah. get cute and you save your big stuff for the Super Bowl, right? If you've got something, you're going to pull it out in this game. Um, another one. Will either team go for a two point conversion plus 200 for yes. I mean, we know how Sirianni is. If this game is tight late, I could absolutely see him going for a win. In a game. Um, this year, these two teams combined to attempt nine of them. And they converted five of them. Both teams are absolutely willing to go for it. So it's will they complete a two-point conversion plus the 200. I- I'm going for that one with aggressive coaches who, you know, they both are sort of aggressive. And then some of my favorites, Eric. Okay, here we go. Rihanna to open the halftime show. I like... Yellow diamonds in the sky. Now we're standing side by side. We're going, we found love. We found love in a hopeless place. That is plus 700 because I think she's closing with Umbrella. I think that's the song that you close it out with. You can bring Jay-Z in the mix. You close it out with Umbrella and then you can have all the props out. This has been one thing that has been good to me in handicapping these halftime shows seen on YouTube, former concert sets and the the order that they go. But in particular songs that will include props, those songs go on at the end because you don't want the props out there in the middle of all your transitions between songs. So if you're going to include a bunch of props, it's usually at the end. Umbrella is, you know, one of the most popular songs that she has, When the Sun Shines, We'll Shine Together. Told you I'd be there forever. Everyone's going to be singing Ella, Ella, Ella. So we're opening with We Found Love. We're closing with Umbrella. She's going to open an umbrella at some point for plus 275. And Jay-Z is going to appear for plus 300. I've got four on the halftime show. You are heavy. Heavy on Rihanna in the halftime show. I'm trying to think. God, what's that song? Oh my God. Shut up and drive. Oh, shut up and dance. Or shut up and dance, right? Is it shut up and or shut up? That's that's like the third choice. So that's one of the top choices there, too. And this is so much fun. Like, I there's not the one that I'm surprised isn't really on the betting board very much is um um the one with Eminem, where I, I thought that that would have been one that was a little bit more popular. Um, you know, there's a couple love the way you lie. Um, 
monster are few. Neither one of them are like on the betting boards quite a bit. I could absolutely see Eminem jumping out there in the mix at some point too. So if you can find that out there, I think M, I think M might be out there. Jay-Z, he was at the Laker game last night. So we know he's in the area and I, I he's got to be out there too. So <laughs> I love, I love having fun with the, uh, the halftime show, Eric. Now tell us final thoughts, Eric, give us anything else you have or uh, anything else you want to mention about the big game. Should be fun. You know, obviously over the last couple of years, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and talking shop and everything, you know, with you giving me this platform to grow and everything. So I really appreciate that. Really looking forward to a game. I would be careful though. I hear a lot of people talking about middling and trying to do everything. I I would just be careful with that because when you just kind of look at the history of the Super Bowl, there's not been many games. I don't think there's been any that have finished on that three. So, um, you know, I just... I, I, I just would be really careful. Yep. Eric, uh, man, it's been a blast. And Eric will be alongside me later this week talking at BTV Bets. We'll be talking all about this game. One thing I will uh, I will tell all of you out there, find friends, find people in your life that you can talk about one game for for 50 minutes. Like those are the type of people and those are the type of friends that you want in your life. It doesn't matter what you're interested in. If it's basketball baseball football hockey when you find people that you can sit down and talk to about one game for 45 minutes or an hour that's fun that's what it's all about we can go back and forth on anything and there aren't very many people that i can have a conversation like that with uh, like with you where we sit here and just go back and forth on one game and we're going to be right some weeks we're going to be wrong some weeks but i hope the one thing you've learned from the both of us um over the years is it's not easy and it takes a lot of work there's no formula there's no get rich quick scheme when it comes to this, it's just hard work and dedication. The more you put in, the smarter your wagers are, the sharper you become, the more you understand, the uh, the more you understand good numbers, bad numbers, the way things are going to move. I learned a heck of a lot from you, uh, from talking with you, from watching some of your shows, and just from going back and forth. So, again, uh, a thank you as we put a bow on another really successful football season. And uh, you know me, man. I'm not going to let you have any time off. We're going to go right into the NBA next week. We're going to start talking basketball and college basketball. So sorry about that, brother. <laughs> hey, you know what? Hopefully, uh, you know, the grind never stops, you know, looking forward to it. Um, you know, got, got some trade things. Uh, yeah. As, let me ask you this before we sign off as looking at it as a Lakers fan, who would you rather have? Not don't look at the whole trade package. Just have Kyrie or D'Lo. Yeah, that's a good question. It it solely one hundred percent on the court. I would have said Kyrie, but but with Kyrie comes all that baggage too, right? Like, do you mm-hmm. trust Kyrie if Kyrie in two weeks is like, oh hey, by the way, like I'm going on. I'm I'm now like a converted Muslim or I'm I'm a converted like Jehovah's Witness. I'm going on a mission. Right. Like, would that shock you if he did something like that? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, we've talked about it, about Kyrie. My my biggest thing with Kyrie is, A, you can't trust him. Like, no. he, I, he's showing, like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm from the belief, like, you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want as long as it's Absolutely. Legal. As long yeah, as it's No, legal. me too. I don't care. Like, you have to be, like, you have to be willing to show up and you have to be there. I would, I've gone on record. I'd rather have Garland. I think right now Garland yep. is more reliable than him. But you look yep. at his stats, you know, he's he's playing lights out ball. 
but I just kind of think for what the Lakers have, I think D'Lo was a good get. Um, you know, in really good fit. In terms of the Mavs, they're going to be insanely fun offensively and but terrible defensively. Utter nightmare on the defensive end. They so, lost like those two guys that they gave up were two of like Dorian Finney Smith was one of their like defensive keep everything together. And just think about that between him and Brunson last year, who's a little undersized, but still solid defensively. Last year, the Mavs were actually a good defensive team. And this year, they are not at all. They may be really difficult to stop, like you said, but as far as just, they could be a total turnstile. They're like, if they throw out lineups out there with with Wood, Irving, and Luka, like those are guys you can just attack repeatedly. Yeah. And you know what? Now, it, I will say, the West is going to be a blast because for the next few weeks, Curry's hurt. We have no idea what's going to happen with them and how long he's going to be out. We don't know what what kind of variable this throws into the mix. Now the, there are reports like that the Clippers might be a team going after Russell Westbrook, which would just be hilarious if he showed up for the Clippers, the Bulls, yeah, and the they're Heat. Gonna, they're going to buy him out. They're going to buy him out. The Bulls, the Bulls are rumored to be sellers. It's going to be interesting yep. to see what happens with them. You know, just a real, real interesting time. And then I saw a thing like the Warriors save $120, $131 million. I retweeted it of cap space if they trade Wiseman. Now, if I'm a younger team, you, you know take a I swing. Mean? It's like a no. I, like, I mean, like the magic. I wouldn't do if I was a Pistons. The Pistons got the kid from Memphis. And you got the bigs. Like, you got the big yeah. guys already, right? I mean, They're yeah. like a younger team that wants to take a swing on a big. Just, you know what I mean? Like like an okay city thunder. Because you don't know what you have with Holgram. You know, like take a swing on him. Like that. I think that's kind of an interesting domino to fall, what the Suns are going to do. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I will say this. I think the team right now, it, now some books have them at 8-1. to one. They're the hottest team in the NBA. The Bucks to win a future at 8-1. to Because right now, yeah. I, I don't see a team that can beat them. I will say this. I don't think in a series still, because it's going to be the same thing I, for Boston. I will say this. Like, I have no problem with Embiid this year. He's keeping his mouth shut and he's just playing basketball. And I actually think he's playing better basketball this year than he was last year. And it's amazing what happens when you get when people just shut their mouth and do that. Yeah. Um, I I think I'm a little disappointed with Luca, just because we talked about this last year. Luca was at that time in his development. Does he do what LeBron and Giannis did and just hit the gym and just be like? You know what I mean? Like built dudes mm -hmm. that are reliable. The one thing about those guys is those guys, those two get physically beaten every single day when they go on the court, but they're there. Luca to me is still just not in shape and he's not going to be in that echelon and player like the, you like the LeBron and Giannis until he takes that commitment in the gym. And I don't think he ever will. Yeah. Luca is one of those guys who uh, my girlfriend's a Mavs fan. So we, we watch a lot of Mavs stuff and, uh, and she's from Dallas. And so we talk about Luca a lot and it's so funny because he, in, in a way that I love and also like what you're saying, he doesn't give an F about anything. And that is sort of like why he's here, right? He has this unwavering confidence in himself. He thinks that he, people, People get on LeBron for his complaining, which some days is bad. But, you know, for LeBron, he probably looked at it like, I'm one of the best players to ever play, 
I should get the benefit of the doubt on most calls. Luca feels the exact same way. Luca thinks every call is his, no doubt about it. And he will even talk about how he drinks beers on game days. He's even mentioned it before and he's like stopped himself. He's been like, oh, yeah, we had some pregame beer. Oh, like, you know, like he doesn't really care, but man, he, he is one of those Europeans. He's Vladi, like we've talked about. He would be smoking cigs at halftime if this was like 30 years ago. You know, that's that's the kind of guy he would be because he just knows that he's got that that those angles and the way he gets to his spots and he is fantastic. So if Kyrie can take a little pressure off of him, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. And for a Lakers team who is like 14th right now in the West, they feel like they got a new little shot in the arm, at least with this trade. Like they feel like they have a second lease on life right now, Eric. I look forward to diving into everything going on in the NBA. I think in college basketball, there were like 12 of the top 25 teams that lost last week. It was just incredible parody top to bottom. So feels like it's pretty wide open in both uh, the NBA and the NCAA. We don't have that one real, real dominant team in either league right now. That's what makes it really fun for all of us betters. So Best of luck to everyone in the big game coming up this weekend. And then over the next few weeks, Eric and I will start talking college and NBA. Make sure to come hang out with us at BTV Bets every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Eric also does uh, UFC previews over there at Better Than Vegas. I also am a part of the Mohawk Mania shows that we have. And Eric, tell us uh, about the other uh, podcasts that you have going. Uh, my podcast comes out fri- Friday, tomorrow. Um we're going to talk David and I will give our two best bets of the game. My I'm supposed to have a new guest. He reached out to me. He said he wants to come on talk some college basketball. So that nice. could be happening. My boy, Nick and I, we're going to tell you who to target in DFS. We did it last year. We each day last week, excuse me, three players. We're going to target three players. We're going to fade that video is up on my YouTube channel. Some pretty, in-depth stuff about some off the radar guys that you can kind of target and a couple of guys looking to fade. And then, yeah, that's going to be it. And then NASCAR stops starts and my boy, Brandon, who is a professional iRacer, he comes on and some of the stuff he spits is just insane. He knows these drivers. He told a story about how one of the drivers, one of the most popular ones is on the website, sugardaddy.com, which was hilarious. (laughs) Great. So entertaining stuff and informative as always over on Eric's shows. You get some great stories as well as those uh, incredible gambling tidbits and insight. Looking forward to talking to you this weekend again, buddy. And then uh, we'll start talking some basketball. Good luck to all of your plays. I hope you cash some of those big futures and, and put a nice bow on the season again. Can't thank you enough for all your hard work this year. Anytime, my man looking, uh, looking forward to next season. You can uh, hear Eric each and every week. And now we'll start talking some basketball next week right here on That's What G Said. racing fans many of us have been using the 
DRF, the Daily Racing Forum, for years studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Come join us every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for This Weekend in Stable Duel. It is a weekend preview show. We give out best bets for Friday and for Saturday. We give out best bets for biggest racing. Right now, a lot of Gulfstream, a lot of Santa Anita. We'll also talk some Tampa, and we talk all about the Stable Duel Contest. We'll tell you which tracks have contest. We'll get you set up. What's unique about this particular show we only give out 5-1 to one morning line and above. We don't even bother giving out a bunch of the chalk horses. How does that help you? Oh yeah, the heavy favorite, we like. Move along. No! We find the races that we really think you can beat some favorites. We try to help you out in your stable dual lineups and in your wagers all weekend long. Join me, Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, every weekend, Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, this weekend in Stable Duel on social media. It's totally free to watch. Just come and follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, or follow the Stable Duel Twitter account, and you will get that. It also uh, comes up on my 
YouTube, on my Facebook, all over the place. It's always free, and we get you all ready for each and every weekend Stable Duel Best Bets. Let's talk about some of them right now. Let's head over to Gulfstream Park for Friday. Let's look at Gulfstream and Santa Anita for Friday. Let's start Gulfstream Friday, race number five. I'm looking at the number five in here, Gone Boy Benny. This is a five furlong synthetic race. Uh, excuse me, a Game Boy Benny. I can't even read my own writing as I flip to the past performances. This guy got shuffled a bit last time out, and he was outside, and that wide trip really cost him. He was in the five path at the top of the lane. He really closed well in between horses for third. I thought it was a sneaky effort. He actually finished in front of the horse B by the C, who is right next door to him, and Game Boy Benny is 8-1 to one on the morning line, and B by the C is 7-2. to two. Now, we've seen B by the C have a little bit more experience overall on synthetic tracks, but I actually think that might mean Game Boy Benny could possibly have a little bit of upside only with a, a couple of career starts on the synthetic and a not bad effort last time out in a race where the race shape just really wasn't against him with the kind of trip that he received. Game Boy Benny, 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything in the 5-1 to one plus range, I think that's very fair value on Game Boy Benny. Let's move to race number 6 at Gulfstream Park. We're looking at a mile turf race here, and I think the 6 Sedona Red is pretty intriguing. Another race where you kind of look at some of the common rivals and use them as a measuring stick. Sedona Red was in a race where he was defeated by 3 and 3 quarter lengths. He's a 4 year old, so he was just making his career debut, and so he has had a little bit of issues along the way, right? To just be making his start, his career debut in January of his 4 year old season. Nonetheless, he was against Testa and Papa Jojo, who are both in this race, who are 7-2 and 3-1 to one on the morning line. And he was about a length behind both of them in a race where he had legitimate trouble, and he was making his first career start going 7.5. That's not an easy distance in which to debut. So he takes back early, does Sedona Red. He's sitting 8th or ninth. He's inside. There's not a ton of room there. And he waits... And he angles up the rail, he's in some traffic, he gets shuffled back, he never got a chance to run in that race. He was not far behind Testa, he was not far behind Papa Joe, both with much shorter morning lines. Another instance where you just feel like you get some value on Sedona Red if this horse is 10-1+, to 1 plus. he's 15 on the morning line. Sedona Red, the number 6 in race number 6. As we move to race number 8, final of 3 plays on the card here. I like the seven skies not falling who missed the break, settled fifth, was in the two path, was about four lengths off, makes a big wide move up to the le- like up to lead at the top of the lane and then just hung a little bit after that wide move with a slightly different timed trip. He could win. And he fits. He's 9 to 2. I think it's a good horse to use in some of your late exotics. I might just key in on him in a pick 4 or 2. I'll play him to win if he's anything over 7 to 2. Couple best bets for you Friday, Gulfstream Park. Good luck there at Gulfstream on Friday. Friday, Santa Anita. Let's take a look at races two, eight, and nine. That's second race at Santa Anita on Friday. Six and a half furlongs on the dirt. I thought the one whirly girly was a bit interesting here. So she's a three year old filly. She debuts back in October sprinting. She's right on the lead going six furlongs on the turf. She's in between, though, in a group of four that were all pretty quick. She's 
still in contention throughout a lot of the race. She's three deep at the top of the lane, but she's in between horses, and she's just never really in a good spot. Doesn't ever look like she's going to win, but she's battling it out, and she tires, and she steadies, and she just backs up. She comes back in her second start on December the 3rd. She goes long, mile on the turf. And she has a really fast start. She's second on the inside, chasing really quick fractions again. And she just sort of packs it in early, going longer. Now they cut her back to six and a half. They try the dirt for the first time. Her damn one on dirt. She has two siblings that are both multiple winners. One of them won on the turf, one of them won on the dirt. So there's plenty of dirt pedigree for her. So look at all the moves. She tries dirt for the first time and she spread fine for it. She comes off of two races where she showed a little bit of speed. The blinkers come off. She's getting Lasix for the first time. She's back to a sprint. She did miss what looks like maybe a month. Because after her December 3rd race, she came back. She worked on December 15th, December 21st. Then we don't see another published work till January 21st. But but she's got three in a row since. Whirly Girly lures the services of the leading rider, Juan Hernandez, who's still hitting at 30%. In a strong jocks room. Lots of things to like about the number one whirly girly who is eight to one. I've got her stacked like four to one, nine to two in this field. I'd love to see her sit maybe third in here. The looks like filthy fast, looks like Tennessee Moon. Both want to go. Can she just carve out a trip right behind those two? That would work out so nice for her. I know with the rail draw, it's not always that easy because you have to try to use some of your speed to get away from the rail, and then you hope you can just carve out a nice trip right behind, but it, it's not always that that easy, right? It just doesn't work that way. You can have that as your plan, and, and hopefully we'll see if the leading rider who's making all the right moves can make another one with Whirly Girly at 8-1 to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number 8. Here we have the number seven. She's a girly girl at five to one in this race. Now the eighth race is a six and a half furlong dirt race. It's an optional claiming race for Calbred, Philly, and mares, four-year-olds and up. First level allowance here. The number seven, she's a girly girl, comes out of an open race up at Golden Gate on the synthetic. It's a little bit better than the race might look on paper. And so if you can come to terms with that last race not being that bad, all of a sudden... Her form looks so much better. She's fifth. She's in the two path. She's in a race where the top two separate. She's actually up right into third and fourth in the stretch before she fades late. And she gets passed right at the wire by a couple horses. She's already won twice at this level on the dirt at Del Mar. Once at six and a half at this exact level. She's also won at Santa Anita. She's running some pretty... Competitive races too as of late On December the 10th she was behind a horse named Big Summer who came back to win a stakes race The Sunshine Million Stakes next out I think she's a girly girl Fits very well here for a barn who I I will always keep an eye on The Jonathan Wong barn knows where to spot horses She's a girly girl 5-1 to one On this one Anything 7-2 to two plus that's value for me And then to close things out it's race number 9 It's another Calbred optional claiming race It's a first level allowance This is for 4 year olds and up on the the boys side They'll be going along on the turf though here The two bodacious, a bit interesting The way the race shapes up Clayton Delaney is probably going to be tough to, to leave out of exotics On the drop in class if, if he's okay on the drop But bodacious, a bit interesting This is a horse who had a long layoff From May of 2021 to December of 2022 So a year and a half we can excuse the race 
back in May 30th, back in May of 2021, that sent him to the bench because that was right before a long layoff. And then the last two races, both of those races coming off the bench, he's just shaking off a ton of rust. And he was inside a little bit of traffic. He steadied. He was four off. He wanted to go. He kind of tipped to the outside to take a shot, but there just wasn't any passing in that race behind Little Nas, who won wire to wire. I think he can sit a pretty good trip in this race. Can he sit maybe third, the way the race looks like it could shape out on paper? You know, you have Moose Mitchell, who's pretty quick from the outside, stretching out. You've got Gimme the Loot, who's also stretching out. He's pretty quick. And maybe even Four Flag, you know, stretching back out. They're all quick. Can a horse like Bodacious sit right behind them? You know, even add Foothill to the mix, who is forwardly placed there. I think it could work well. We've seen Bodacious win going wire to wire, but he's also past horses. He's not like a horse who needs the lead at all. And that's why I think rounding back into form, possibly getting a nice trip in here at a good price of 10 to 1 on the morning line. That's the number two, Bodacious. So a couple plays for you on Santa Anita for Friday. Best of luck there. As we make the move from Friday, Santa Anita, over to Saturday racing. Just a couple quick looks on uh, some races for Saturday. We've got the Withers at Aqueduct and the El Camino Real Derby at, Aqu- at uh, Golden Gate. Because I'm only going to talk about those two races, let's just talk about them real quickly, uh, like each race individually from those tracks. And then we'll talk about a few from Tampa, Santa Anita, and Gulfstream. But at Aqueduct, race number 9 goes as the Withers. It was rescheduled from last weekend. Kentucky Derby points on the line. Mile in an 8th. I think the 4-hit show is the horse to beat in there. He really does look like he's going to get a nice trip to the one Arctic uh, arrogance with the blinks on. He's been showing speed in all of his races. He gets the inside draw. He's going to go and see how far he can take him. And then I also think you'll get some speed from others in the race, like the 6, 90% Matty, who's stretching out. The 7 will also be forwardly placed. He was right on the front last time out, and he's he's pretty quick. I think he'll want to keep them company up front. So I, I expect there to be at least 3 in here showing some speed. Even the, even the 3 who I actually like underneath. And if you're playing any type of exotics, I would just, I'm going to use the three and the four. Uh, I think I'm going to play four, like over three, if you were playing exactas or uh, the, the two of them in, you know, multis, uh, three, four. I just think the, the four is really trending in the right direction. He's one, two of three. He's going to get the trip. The only race he lost was in a race that's already come back super live. The winner confidence game came back. He was third in the Lecompte, the runner up. Rocket can came back and won the Holy Bull last week. So, no real knocks on Hit Show. And he he gets the trip in here. So, uh, I'll go 4-3 in the Withers. Nothing really crazy or two outside the box for me there. And then at Golden Gate, it's the 8th race. That's the Kentucky Derby prep or, you know, uh, Triple Crown prep race prep right some of these horses may end up going to another prep following this and another one and we'll see them maybe a few times hopefully they can get um some points we had actually Rombauer was in this race and then won the uh the preakness a few years back and that's what this was is a uh, a tie-in with the preak so we get the mile and an eighth on the synthetic all the all weather to me gold jacket Green jacket, who gives a shit? It's all about Happy Gilmore, the one. Happy Gilmore, my God. Uh, I think Gilmore 
is going to get a really nice trip in here. Gilmore's 4-1 to one on the morning line. If he's over 5-2, to two, I think he provides you value in this race. He's shown the ability to sit off the pace. Both of his starts were good. His career debut at Del Mar, he was third, um, only beaten a couple lengths, and he wasn't right on the lead either, and then he stretched out nicely to a mile and sat. The distance shouldn't be any issue for him whatsoever. That's Gilmore, the number one, and in looking at the way the race could possibly shape up. You've got the five who looks really quick and stretches out. You've also got the six stretching out from sprint races. You've got the seven who I think will be forwardly placed. And then the other Baffert is the eight who's stretching back out from a sprint and did not look very good going long. I think he will be going. So I expect there to be three or four in this field that'll be right on the lead. And uh, I like the one sitting in the trip, saving all the ground. Gilmore. So just a couple quick looks at the uh, three-year-old races this weekend. Let's move on over and let's talk some Saturday. Tampa Bay Downs, another big day uh, at a different racetrack to talk about with some stakes. Let's get to Tampa. So I'll be looking at races 7 through 10 at Tampa, which are actually all four stakes races, and there's some nice ones. We have the 7th race, which is the Minaret, 6 for a long sprint for Phillies and Mares 4-year-olds and up. Carmel Swirl is going to be the heavy favorite there. This is a graded stakes winner. Carmel Swirl won the Raven Run at Keeneland a couple years back, was runner-up in the Ballerina behind Goodnight Olive, who came back and won the Breeders' Cup, and she'll be... Very, very tough if she shows up with an A game. But she's the type of horse that you like to bet off a layoff. And you take a shot against her at a very short price. I think the one is a very logical alternative if you're looking to play a different runner. Now, my major concern would just be, is there going to be another couple speeds that make things difficult for the one? I just love the upside for uh, Dreforos. We've seen her four times out. She's a she's won three in a row. The only time she didn't win was in her career debut. She's shown some speed. She's shown that she can sit off the pace a little bit. She won her first two starts at Monmouth, but then she went over to Gulfstream Park, and she also won uh, at Gulfstream Park recently, right on the front end. With the inside draw, she's probably going to be forced, and there is some speed right to her outside. So I like her as a horse, I'm just a little concerned about the race shape for her, and that's what's tough because Carmel Swirl could get a nice trip just sitting off the pace in here and letting it come back to her. But if if we do get 5-1 to one plus on the one, I, I think that would be a horse to at least include in some of Exotics and if you want to do a play against the favorite there. Race number 7 is the Pelican. And in, uh, in this one, Sibelius coming off the grade 3 win on December the 31st, will be very tough in here. Another instance where if you're trying to play against a short price, I thought the 7, Uphold the Law, was an up-and-coming horse who's won 4 of 5. He's never really been able to put races together, and I think he may have some upside because of that. Once he's able to string a few together, he may have more of a foundation. So, let's give the 7, Uphold the Law, a look. He should be forwardly placed again, That's not going to be easy in a big field like this where a lot of horses are going to want to be forwardly placed, but he should at least offer us some nice value. He's 8-1 to on the morning line. Throw him into some of your exotics. In the ninth race at Tampa, it's the Sun Coast. This is a really good Philly prep race. The one wonder wheel is your Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner. She's a multiple grade one winner. 
And then you've got Julia Shining, who has visually been extremely impressive, in particular that debut win at Keeneland, comes back again and uh, and wins after a slow start in the Grade 2 Demoiselle. So we have a couple graded stakes winners in here that'll be going at it. And those are the two that deserve top billing. If you're looking to find value in this race or to maybe use a horse underneath, I'm hoping that Dreaming of Snow just gets sent hard. This is a filly that if she is ag- if they're aggressive with her, she's the quickest in here. And she might be able to clear this field. And if Wonder Wheel isn't really worried about being too aggressive from the inside and they're just trying to get a nice prep in and get themselves set up for bigger things down the line. And Julia Shining doesn't have a whole lot of early speed. And then you look at the rest of them in the race and none of them are all that quick. I could see Dreaming of Snow getting a length or two on the field. She was actually fast early, but four others to her outside all went. So she took back to fifth, about two or three lengths off. She made a four wide move and she was three deep at the top of the lane up to challenge the eventual winner before uh, fading that day. I'm hoping for a different trip. Get aggressive with Dreaming of Snow. Wonder Wheel and Julia Shining, the two really nice fillies to beat in there. In the 10th race, it's the Sam F. Davis. Now, you'll have WHNL, who will be favored in this one, and was coming off that really good win in the Remsen, got a big figure in doing so. Can't really play the horse, though, on the win end. Probably the horse to beat in the race. But I like a couple others in here. Litigate is obvious. Second start going long. Was behind Cyclone Mischief. She moved through the uh, moved through up um, and then was three off. Angled outside of Cyclone Mischief four wide. And then once he moved, Cyclone Mischief moved with him kind of in between. He was no match for the winner. He did just hold second. And that race doesn't look as good with Cyclone Mischief coming back and running so poor. But Litigate's still on the upswing. And he's not bad value in this race. Champion's Dream is also interesting. He was coming off a couple month break. He's a grade three winner. He was up to challenge. He kind of got shuffled on the inside a little bit. As Zydeco was zigging and zagging, he moved inside. Now he will put two races together. The one Worthington, though, is a bit interesting to me. He does have a dirt winning sib. And his form overall on the turf is really good. Just can he transfer it? He was third in a race last time out behind Candidate and Major Dude. They were first and second. Those same two horses came right back and ran first and second again in a graded stakes race. Major Dude won and Candidate was second. So he's been in with good company. He's a multiple winner. He should save ground nicely from the rail. I think you could do worse than taking a stab with Worthington in the Sam F. Davis. That's the number one. Worthington. So that's a look at Tampa Bay for Saturday. Four stakes races, a couple big ones with the Kentucky Derby prep and a Philly prep for the Kentucky Oaks. Best of luck in all your wagers there over at Tampa. Let's make the move from Tampa over to Gulfstream Park. Gulfstream Park, Saturday, February the 11th. Get those past performances out. Let's look at races 7, 9, 10, and 11 for Gulfstream for Saturday. Race 7 is the ladies' turf sprint. Five furlongs on the turf. I like the 6-1 identity. Now, she's really fast. In her last start, she was fast early. She was challenged to the outside. She battled heads up with a horse named Love and Money. The problem was... 
she was on the inside, so one identity just had to keep going. Um, and she, at one point, finally takes back inside, and she did try to come on again. I think because she's drawn more to the outside in here, she should get a completely different trip. She's shown that she has no problem sitting off the pace. Overall, she's a remarkably consistent filly. She has a couple poor races. They were back-to-back. They were in stakes races on the dirt. And since then, she's come back and had three really nice efforts in a row. A couple on the synthetic, and then this one on the turf. That was just her first turf start also. She's got some upside as a newly turned four-year-old. She's has, She has speed, but hoping she sits third in here looking at how it shapes up cuz you'll have the one uh, you'll have war of ages stony point both pretty quick charlie t's also very quick i'd love it if she can carve it out maybe right behind those third or fourth that's the number 6 one identity 8 to 1 on the morning line 5 is my value line 5 to 1 plus that's the fair value on her we move to race number 9 it's a first level allowance going a mile in the 16th on the turf for 3 year olds I like the three, Sendero, 5-1 to one on the morning line. Sendero comes off of a really troubled trip on January the 14th. He had a good start. He then had to take back, though. He was about three wide. He settles sixth, maybe five lengths off in a little bit of traffic. He's traveling well, but he gets shut off, and he moves inside. Then he looks like he has some room. Nope, he gets completely destroyed when he tries to move through at the rail. He has to take up badly. He ends up getting moved from 7th or from 8th to 7th via DQ in that race, don't worry about how he finished. And just put a line through the race. Just know there was a ton of trouble. Two starts back, he chases Lone Speed, Ari Gold. Right? What's wrong with this form? It really fits. Sendero. 5-1 to one on the morning line. I'll use him along with others like the four, uh, Wagliato, first-time winner for Clement. You've also got... The 10 Palace View, who's very interesting. He won on September the 24th uh, overseas. So this will be his first start in North America. And both of his starts have been on the synthetic, going seven furlongs and then going a mile. He's been working on the turf, though. His dam won three of eight races on the turf, and he has four winning turf siblings. In his debut, he was way out of it. 10th of 12, he angled out. He really got going late. Comes back in his second start, sitting not far behind the early lead, and he finds a seam. He's loaded behind horses, finds a seam, and then just absolutely explodes. It was a really good effort visually. So I like 3 4 10. The one web slinger is the question mark here. First time gelding, getting Lasix for the first time, coming out of the Breeders' Cup. Wooden Shock might be able to save ground from the inside and come running. Three, Sendero at anything over 7 to 2, also using 4 and 10. Possibly the one underneath. In race number 10, it's a maiden special weight for three-year-olds. One-turn mile there at Gulfstream Park. What a... I mean, what a fun field. Because you have like a top tier of horses that you can... If you just like them, you can probably feel confident in using one or two horses in multi-race exotics. Like a Case or an Arthur's Ride. But if you want to get a little creative, you can start looking at Secret Threat. Two sprints to a route. Both races he lost to wire-to-wire winners. Both races he drew the inside. Now he goes stretching out. And he's going to get a little bit more pace in here 
from what you would expect on paper with a couple of first-time starters going long. You would think that they'll be at least a little forwardly placed. We know Arthur's ride is going to go. He's been right on the lead in both of his starts. You have Peregrino G to the outside. Well, maybe he didn't like the synthetic last time out. Put a line right through that. Back on September the 18th, he was in a sloppy race. Maybe he just didn't love the slop, and that's why his speed figure was low. He still almost won that race. He was only beaten a neck. Before that, he's only beaten a head. In his debut, he was runner-up. So he's been a runner-up in three of his four starts. Those are the type of horses you don't want to bet when they're favored, but when they're a big price, you don't mind. You toss his last race on the synthetic. It's actually a good race that's also produced two next out winners, and the winner, dude in Colorado, came back to finish third in a grade three. Low figure in the slob, toss the last, second off the three-plus month break, first time Lasix. You've got Dreamlike, who has a, a couple of siblings that are both multiple winners. I mean, I think Case is the horse to beat, the six. Case didn't have the smoothest of start. He recovered well, he was just behind the leaders. Didn't have a whole lot of room, though. He moves up with a kind of nice open rail, but he was rebuffed. Just a clear-cut second that day behind a nice runner. He gets Lasix for the first time. That was seven in furlongs, first time out of the box, which is not an easy distance in which to debut. The number six, Case, will be my top selection. And there's no problem with the the two. Mona Gask, whose dam was a grade one winner. Justice Department is a first-time starter for Brown, and it, that one's going to get support. Really, really fun race. I put the six on top of the seven. Six, seven, three, nine. That's sort of the top tier that I'll try to build a lot of my exotics around, those four. Let's move to race number 11 at Gulfstream. It's the Gulfstream Park Turf Sprint. There is a lot of speed on paper in this one, and it does look to set up pretty well for Belgrano, who's favored in here. So I won't be trying to beat this nine-year-old, but I'm certainly not playing him on the win end. That's for a horse like the five, yes, I am free. He's got some versatility. He's a 10-time winner in 24 starts, which is a good record for a turf sprinter overall. When you look at a lot of these other turf sprinters, right, you have a couple other 10-time winners in the field, but they've raced a little bit more than Yes, I Am Free, like Caratori, Belgrano, The Critical Way. Now, Yes, I Am Free was right on the lead last time out. That was his first start since July. I think he was a little bit fresh and just wanted to go, but he can sit really nicely. He had back-to-back bad races um, in May and July of last year. He chased Lone Speed, and it was the Critical Way, the rival in this race. And it was a day when the Critical Way just freaked, ran a huge figure at Monmouth Park on a good racetrack. And it just didn't seem like Yes, I Am Free liked that track. Then Yes, I Am Free came back on the synthetic, not nearly as good on the synthetic as he is on the turf. This was last year's... Turf Sprint winner, February the 12th, 2022, won this race at 8-1, sitting the exact type of trip that I'm hoping for, maybe a length or two off the pace. He was second that day, he gets the jump on Belgrano, then he came right back following that and beat Belgrano again. Yes, I am free is the play for me. I've got the five on top, might play a wager wager or two where I would single him on the back end. Uh, 5-4-3 though, the the other two logical favorites I think are at least underneath horses. Belgrano's gonna come running and Caratori is pretty classy and and really does fit with these, like gets a trip, sits in the mix early, doesn't really need the lead, but he's kind of best on the lead. 
So 5-4-3 for me in the Gulfstream Park Turf Sprint, the grade three that goes as race number 11 on Saturday. Good luck over at Gulfstream Park there on Saturday. Let's finish it up with a couple plays at Santa Anita. And as we make that transition from Gulfstream to Santa Anita, don't forget about some of the big weekend festivities like that coast-to-coast pick five. 15% takeout, a dollar minimum, so it's difficult. No 50-cent base, no 20-cent base. You have to make some decisions. You have to make some cuts. You can't just add every horses and throw a bunch of alls in the mix. And it carries over to the next day if nobody hits the whole thing. For Saturday, Gulfstream races 9, 10, and 11, and Santa Anita races 3 and 4. So we talk about all of them. We just talked about races 9, 10, and 11 for Gulfstream, and we're going to talk about races 3, 4, and 9 at Santa Anita. So we've got that entire pick 5 coast-to-coast mapped out for you race-by-race. Don't forget about the Santa Anita Pick'em Prop Contest. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Totally free to enter each and every day. Saturday and Sunday, you can get involved in these. 500 bucks to the winner. It doesn't cost you anything. They're free contest. Go check them out. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Let's finish up with Santa Anita for Saturday, February the 11th. Look at race number three here. It's one of those uh, coast-to-coast pick five races. Now, this one's a strange one because there's really not that much speed in this race on paper. You have the one Commander Kai who's kind of quick. The three has a little bit of speed, but not nearly as much as it might look. And the five Jet Evader is the real key to the race. He is quick when he gets out of the gate. But in his last three consecutive races, he has not gotten out of the gate fast. He can sit off the pace a little bit, which he did on May, the f- May, which is another issue for him. He raced in May. And then he was off till October, came back in October, didn't really fire great against a a group of Calbreds, and now he's dropping in class, and we see him show back up four months later. He can get out front, he can sit, he has some options. But I like the one, I think because of the draw, it's really going to force Commander Kai. Look at his last few races. He's drawn post 8, post 9, post 8. It's been a little bit tougher for him to try to get to the lead. And even in one of those races, he still got to the lead and went wire to wire, going six furlongs over this turf course. I hope he gets sent hard. Commander Kai could be the one to catch. Five breaks slow quite a bit. Now the six, Mesut, is in pretty good form right now. His last three races don't look fantastic on paper, but let's dive into him a little bit. So he wins in January of 2022. Then he's off from January all the way to November. So he shows back up in November off an 11-month layoff. He finishes fifth in that race. He's behind a horse named Lane Way, who is graded stakes placed and a stakes winner. And Turn on the Jets was in that race. Turn on the Jets came back to win his next start in a stakes race. So that was a tough field, and the six was only beaten a few lengths in his first start off a long, long layoff. So legitimate excuse there. Well, then his next two races on both November 27th and January the 13th, they're a little short for him. Five and five and a half, it's a tad short with his running style, with the way he has to come from off the pace. He's really best at at six. Like we've seen, his best races have actually come at this, this six for a long distance. And in his last start, at 50,000, he's just moving too late, right? 
Moves inside, but he's 10 lengths off at one point because they're flying early. He moves into fourth. He's behind Motorious, who won next out, and then was second in a stakes race behind Lane Way. I like the races that Misut comes out of. You have the five, who we've talked all about, Jetivator. Then you have the four, Southern Horse, who you know will come running. But I like the one six most in race number three at Santa Anita. Let's move to the fourth race. Optional 50 claimer. Six and a half on the dirt for three-year-olds that have started for a claiming price of 50 or less. The one black magician, another instance where, okay, dive into this race. You have the six crowning gold, who's pretty fast. This horse cost me last time Crowning gold And now I'll have to go a little bit farther And Mike Smith isn't the most Just send aggressive type rider I'm wondering if he's going to try to sit Crowning gold a bit in here And try to save a little something for six and a half I think the one black magician Is just going to go He actually broke on top of the field On January the 21st But he drew post 10 and he couldn't cross over They lined up on the lead it just does not look like that's going to happen in here And he has the inside position So he goes He makes it tough on everyone else Then maybe crowning gold sits off a little bit I'm going to use the one Black magician in exotics in case that happens You have the number two crypto ride Who's going to be cutting back From a couple of races going a mile Where he's shown a little bit of positional Route speed Who's behind a horse named Thirsty John Who came off a long layoff And won that race wire to wire Thirsty John didn't get big figure For that race But was was impressive in what he did So it's a good fit here for Crypto Ride Then you have the 5 Army Star He rattled off back to back wins And then he was at the same level He was favored against some of this group On January the 21st He was close up He was just behind the leaders in the 2 path In that second flight and then he was about three lengths off He, he got to outrun a little bit There were like six horses all within two lengths And it sort of forced him to back up a little bit farther than he would have liked It wasn't a bad effort though He's going to get Lasix for the first time So I'll use one, two, and five all over the place The six is probably hard to leave out of some of the exotics But the one Black Magician in the two crypto ride, the five army star, kind of the keys to this one with the with some sixes in there as well, at least in the underneath spots. And then in the ninth race, let's look for a price here in race number nine. I'm going down the hill. It's the sweet life. I like the five pleasant wave. So she debuts back in October. Six furlongs on the turf. She's in a race with Ragtime Rose, and she's not far behind Ragtime Rose, who's actually more experienced that day. In her second career start, Pleasant Wave wins at five furlongs. Then they stretch her out to a mile. She's in post ten. She's way outside, post nine. She settles fourth. She's in the two path. She's about two lengths off. She's three deep. She has a really wide trip, and she just has no shot with that trip. Now you cut back. You get Kimura aboard, who I think is... Starting to figure some things out I, I think he's a really good rider And watching a lot of Woodbine So I'm, I'm expecting him to start Really stringing wins together After what was kind of a slow start That maiden win If you're just playing off of speed figures in here It's really not far off of Like the best figures from some of this group Pleasant Wave is 20-1 to 1 on the morning line And could offer us really nice value To close out the card at Santa Anita 
on Saturday. That is race number nine. Good luck. We're all over the place. Huh? We've got Friday Santa Anita and Gulfstream. Saturday, Aqueduct, Golden Gate. Look at the preps. Tampa, Gulfstream, and Santa Anita. Good luck this weekend. We'll be firing away all weekend long. Now we move into this weekend wrestling with Chad Cooper. We had a lot to discuss this weekend. There was a ton happening. We're coming off the heels of the Royal Rumble. We're on the road to WrestleMania. Elimination Chambers only a week and a half out. We've got you know, AEW going strong right now as they're heading about a month away from their next pay-per-view. NXT was coming off a pay-per-view with Vengeance Day and they had a, a fun Tuesday night TV edition of NXT. We discuss it all right here with Chad Cooper. But first, let's hear a little bit about one of the sponsors, Sarah Candles, all-natural soy wax candles, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. Promo code GINO will get you 10% off your purchase. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A candles. Dot com. And don't forget... Promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm -mm. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. And everyone wants to know this week something big. No, 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 I'm not talking about the Super Bowl, Chad Cooper. <laughs> I'm talking Sammy Zane, Cody Rhodes, because these two guys are both on absolute fire right now in the WWE as we are on the road to WrestleMania. We're going to talk about SmackDown, Raw, NXT coming off a of fun Vengeance Day And we're getting now, looks like a real nice Sort of reset as we build to NXT stand and deliver their WrestleMania weekend show And then we'll get into AEW like always Some positives, lots of in-ring Positives, and then some kind of Production stuff and some things throughout the show That I didn't necessarily love And that's always how it is when you're watching a wrestling show There's going to be positives, there's going to be negatives And we're going to talk all about them right here With Koopa Loop As we, we revisit Smackdown from last week and oh man It's it's really fun To see both Of the guys coming out Of Royal Rumble that we all wanted To win the Royal Rumble they're both Still really over Right now right the crowd Was receptive to both of these guys There was a couple moments on Monday Early when Cody Rhodes was out there where, where You were like Uh oh is this gonna happen but Cody and Paul Heyman were so strong with that segment that we're going to get into. So at least right now, first shows back after the Royal Rumble, they they're they're telling the story with Sammy and they've got a direction going. So, man, we come off a of SmackDown coop where it's hard not to talk about Sammy right off the bat with SmackDown because it is so cool to see somebody this over. And in the main event, Roman Reigns comes out 
to you know cut his promo to acknowledge everyone, and it is Sammy Zayn who pops out from the crowd in a hood, attacks him. They brawl in the ring for a bit, and this crowd is going absolutely nuts. And apparently, the SmackDown ratings, which have been really strong and really good, they were huge for the final segment of SmackDown. And they were big for the Cody Rhodes stuff on Monday Night Raw, which I'm sure tells the WWE officials and the the Triple H's of the world really good things about both of these guys in the next couple months. Yeah, you know, it's uh, us, us fans here. Uh, you never know what we're going to do on a live taping or a house show if we take over that show and just boo um, because of our guy or our girl didn't win a particular match. So uh, WWE stayed the course with Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble. And what do you do with Sammy? You put him in the main event of Elimination Chamber. And uh, it in his is, hometown. In his hometown, which, you know. <laughs> or the title. Anything with Roman can Reigns. happen. Anything can happen. And, you know, as we'll get into Cody's promo, Cody did a great job coming out and putting the fire out there early. I thought the line of the. Uh, of the last couple of months is what Cody said. Hey, if it's Sami Zayn, uh, who who wins the championship, then it's you know uh, a universal title. Then it's me and Sami Zayn headlining I WrestleMania. Love, and, so that and was we'll, I, I appreciate. We can that. talk about it right now because I think they're sure, all involved. Sure. It's connected. Too. Those two and are connected. I, I love that he addressed it because if you don't address it, that's when the cheers and the boos start happening, right? right. If you don't say anything about it. And you're in the ring talking for 10 minutes And the crowd starts And then you keep deflecting And you don't say anything But as soon as they started chanting Sammy He said good I'm glad you said Sammy Let's talk about Sammy Zayn Who is on a roll right now Sammy Zayn we respect So you know it might not be Rome It was was very well handled And I'm sure they all sat down And and he thought about this right He didn't go out there and think They're not going to say anything about Sammy Zayn He understands He This is a guy who came out of AEW and was getting very mixed reactions, right? He's not right. going to go in anywhere thinking he's just going. He wasn't. He's all, He's not always been the guy. So he's a really smart, perceptive dude. And again, he cut a fantastic promo. As uh, I, I just I thought really good week for WWE <laughs> and for NXT storytelling. A yeah. uh, couple other things to point out from now. Snack- now look, go we got elimination chambers this weekend or next? Next weekend. Next weekend. Next, you, yeah, we, it, Sami Zayn's not winning the title, is he? No. So what we can say here are here are some of our options for Elimination Chamber Saturday, February the eighteenth. Yeah, wow, that's next weekend. So, wow. obviously, one option, which is a long shot, Sammy could win. I don't think they would do that. I think there are a couple things that happen. One, it looks like Sammy's going to win, and that's when the Usos get involved. Sure, Jay, who sort of was on Sammy's side. Maybe he's out, looks like he's going to help Sammy, turns on Sammy, helps the bloodline. Kevin Owens comes out, tries to help him. We get some Kevin Owens-Sammy embrace at the end of the show. You know, Kevin does for Sammy what Sammy did for Kevin at the Rumble. Gotcha. They're all, they're all, Sammy's tied up in the corner, and they're all beating Sammy down after the match. And here comes Kevin to save him. And then the two of them... Beaten and battered, they hug They go after the tag team championships That main events One of the nights of Wrestle, Maybe night one of Wrestlemania that's Tag good, team that's title a Good main event, good main Sammy, event. And, Sammy and KO versus the Usos Or 
<clears throat> they try to do that, but Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan's it and makes them sort of change their plans <laughs> in the next month or two. All of a sudden, the crowds just go so crazy that maybe in night one, that's your match. And then if Sami Zayn and KO win, Sami wins his way into the match the next night, and it's a triple threat. I don't know. Yeah. But they did this before, right? Sure. We've seen them do this. I'm just... Those are the options. I think the tag team option, because that would be pretty cool if you sold it to KO and Sammy and said, look, you guys are going to main event night one. This is one of the best stories. Yeah. And you don't get to go for the title, but we'll give you as good of a consolation prize as possible. You get to go on last at WrestleMania on night one. That would be and, pretty cool. And you're going to go over and you'll be on Mondays and Fridays and maybe, maybe that's a lot of work. I don't know. Uh, I assume it is. Um, it, it's telling that the Elimination Chamber is not having an Elimination Chamber match for <clears throat> the Universal Championship or the number one contender. So that tells you the storyline is pretty well sewed up um, for what they're going to do uh, heading into WrestleMania. But SmackDown, as you mentioned, the the ending of SmackDown was, uh, <laughs> I, I just, you never know what you're going to have when you, when you go to, you know, here in the South. I don't know how many fireworks stands you've been to. Gino, this is this is a kind of a southern thing. I don't know where you live in the gated community over there in the Hollywood Hills uh, of California. I don't know how, how many uh, fireworks stands you ever go to as a kid and buy fireworks. And, and, oh yeah, Temple, Temple <laughs> City where I grew up, fireworks are legal. <laughs> I we still are legal these, there. Oh yeah, you, you buy all these fireworks. You know, you spend all this money on the fireworks, and you never really know what you're getting it. Uh, you light it and it could light up the sky. It could be a dud. You could be, oh, you know, it could just smoke. It's supposed to do all this stuff, colors. You never really know. And you never really knew, know what was going to happen when they finally did this storyline change, a turn, uh, like we saw at uh, the Royal Rumble. It, it could have went rogue. Uh, there was, I, I, look, there was a lot of people that wanted the storyline to Sammy to continue in the bloodline through WrestleMania because it's been so good. But I tell you what, they they lit the fuse, and uh, I, it couldn't it couldn't have went any better. Um, I, I think I'm not saying he wouldn't get this reaction on Monday night because you saw the crowd chanting for Sammy, but man, he is so locked in on that SmackDown universe. And I know it's the same company, and it's just a different format or different colors and a different sign. It's blue. And you have two different announcers, and it's one's on a network. But at the end of the day, it's 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 all the same. But just something with Sammy and Roman on Friday nights has just been electrifying. And for this to happen, um, and we've we've got what two more Fridays and one Monday for the buildup for uh, for Elimination Chamber, and Sammy Roman uh, just cannot get any better. And then you take what what we just saw on Monday night. With this promo with Cody and good God, Paul Heyman, just with what he was that that look, I know we always say Heyman gives the best promos. That was really compelling wrestling television without it was, people dude, having it was, given, there was not a five star match there, Gino. You know, and you, you may not like if you you individually aren't a huge fan of Cody Rhodes, that's fine. We're all individually fans of different people, and I could some people think that Cody Sometimes can come off phony I, I think that with the material he's talking about Just think about it 
of course the guy might be crying and tearing up and stuff. They're they're talking about his dad, his his dead sure. dad, you know. So obviously it's a it's sad stuff for him. But I can understand if you think that. But any anything, um, whatever your personal stance is on him, I will say I'm super impressed with just his acting ability overall. He he, the way he presents himself and how much he has improved in just delivering a promo and in in reading and and you know knowing a little bit about Cody. He's taken a ton of acting classes. Like he, he really, he wanted to be an actor. He, he's taken this really seriously. He's done a little bit of acting too. So, in Roman does a lot of that in his promos. So, you just see sort of the level of the top promos. Paul Heyman to me has always been what I thought was like a Bobby Heenan. In that, if those guys went to Hollywood, they would have been awesome. <laughs> like they, they're that good. Like they are that talented at what they do. Like Bobby Heenan could have been a stand-up comedian, but honestly, his timing was incredible, and he would have been great in as like you know a sidekick on a on a to, like a night late night show. Oh man, and, him and Gorilla Monsoon were, were look. Awesome. If, if you don't know anything about that, and you have Peacock app and the WWE Network, look up some old Bobby Heenan on the Tuesday Night Titan shows, um, where there it's it's kind of like a night show or tonight show format. It, it's just amazing, but. I, to build off of what you said, I you know Cody like yeah you put it right you know I'm not the big I, I've never been the biggest Cody Rhodes fan but what he's been able to do and then a major setback you know with this pectoral tear and to come back and all systems are go and you're at WrestleMania last year and to have this happen quickly after he makes his debut back and then been able and be able to. Uh, uh, to come back after this, win the Rumble in a hostile environment because, you know, that crowd was jacked up in San Antonio and ready for Sami Zayn to be involved in it. It shows a lot. And you have to put a lot of faith, not only in Cody Rhodes, but Paul Heyman. And they delivered. Uh, it just seems like two storylines at the other end of the universe, and it involves the same three or four people. That's how good this has been, Gino. Fantastic stuff um, all over the place. Let's get to a couple other things from SmackDown. We had a uh, number one contenders finals for the Tag Team Championship Tournament. Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Imperium. Dude, this match was awesome. This thing went 15 minutes. This was a really, really good match. (laughs) And Strowman and Ricochet get the win. They've been a fun little tag team recently. And again, when there are positives for this guy, if you like him individually, if you don't, Braun Strowman has been in some really good matches since he's made his return. He's in very good shape, and he's not necessarily in the main event with Roman Reigns winning a bunch, but he's on TV looking really, really impressive. He's had good stuff with Ricochet, some good tag matches, the match with Gunther, which was one of his best. So he's in, he's in really nice form right now, too. Um, so the Ricochet, do you like the combo with Ricochet and Strowman? I actually don't mind it for the moment if there's nothing to do. I just don't think it's going to go much more than this. And maybe it leads to a match. You don't, you wouldn't have them, um, you wouldn't have them, uh, if we're going Sammy KO, which more than likely that's got to be it, it, against the Usos, right, at WrestleMania. I think these guys Um, probably lose at Elimination Chamber in a good match. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, maybe you can come back around. Uh, 
you know, Sammy. Or you know, is the match is scheduled for Friday? Is that right? Because maybe yeah. that's what they were talking about all throughout right. the show. Is he going to show up? Right, right. So I, you know, you just never know with big men, right? Uh, you know, and look, I wish I could argue with you about Strowman. He's come back and he's done everything right. Um, he looks amazing. I, you know, I just don't know about big guys and smaller people. I, look, I enjoyed when WWE had the uh, what was that? What do they call it? The mixed uh, the mixed match challenge. That was man, fun those with were, him and those Alexa. Were fun. Look, they were good. They Alexa were a little Bliss, different. And, and, and you had to go to Facebook Live to watch it. The you commentary know, was like kind that. of fun because you could tell it wasn't being produced. Like something like that with a with like a McAfee and a Graves would be really funny. Yeah, I those just, guys. I, were, I, that's I just it's I, I like both of them I really do I'm a big fan I don't know how invested I can get into um, this team know, together this team maybe to we get it because we it's so long before Russ, we still got a ways for WrestleMania that's the can thing. we get we do we have a pay per view in March no no can we get these two guys in either a match against each other or involved in something with the IC title or with one of the mid card titles I. I would love for both of these guys to be able to at least be on the WrestleMania card, but I just have trying to, to right do the math right now. This would be a good this would be a good singles feud for the both of them if they had a one on one match. It would kind of be yes. fun. Let them go out there and you know don't have it be a squash or anything. And whoever wins, you know it doesn't matter. You don't maybe you want to turn uh, Braun heel in the match. That's fine, but. I actually would like to see these two guys go at it. I think it could do good for them to both have a, a singles match at Mania. Yeah, and I think if you're going to have someone smaller go up against the giant, the giant among men, uh, Braun Strowman, uh, Ricochet is probably the guy who who can do enough acrobatics. You know, the wild card here is Gunther. The, you know, he not uh, look. I, I'm saying this loosely here because I, 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 number one, I'm a big big fan of this guy, but. Not this thing he's gotten lost because he hasn't, because his physical presence, him and the Imperium, those two guys, when they come out, it's just, you know, it, what what do you do with this guy? He's got the IC title. Because um, they said it was going to be Lesnar initially. There were some reports. Right. Um, and man, we're going quick to Lesnar. La- uh, Lesnar Lashley. And maybe we get, I feel we like got, that's going to continue to WrestleMania. You I don't, think so? I don't, but, but we've already had this is already going to be the third one. Yeah, so I know. Maybe, this is uh, maybe we do get a Brock, but I don't. You know, I just, how about I, I someone? Wanna, I just like Guther so much. Me too. What about someone like a Drew? I could go with that. Yeah, Drew McIntyre versus Guther for I the could, IC you know, title. We're talking. We're talking about SmackDown here, right? Yeah. So Guther, Guther, the IC champion. He, he's just phenomenal. He hasn't done anything wrong. He he was shot yeah. up to NXT. I, I, he's done everything or from NXT. Incredible run in the in the uh, the Rumble. Oh, loved let's, it. Let's go, Gunther. Uh, let's see if we can get. Uh, yeah, I would be fine with that. With a uh, with a Drew, as um, we have a. Oh, okay. So, so what is that? There's a match coming up this week. This next week, Fatal okay. for uh next week. It is. Mysterio, Madcap Moss, Karrion Cross, Santos, Escobar. Winner okay. gets an IC match against Gunther. That'll probably be in between, right? That that's the elimination chamber match, and then okay. we get a bigger opponent for Gunther for Mania. So, okay. who do we want to win that match? Well, it's it it won't be Karrion Cross because I don't think they're going to go with heel heel. No. I don't think it'll be Santos Escobar either. 
so, makes sense it would be Ray or I mean Madcap would be like random. That's probably Madcap would be match. random. If you did Ray, you could always get Dominic involved, that's, and that's probably the best way to do it, right? And, and you and you protect him, you know. You protect Ray a little bit. You 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 can build to the Ray and Dominic stuff because we know what that we know Ray Dominic has to go off at Mania. Has to. We asked for it last year, and Dominic <laughs> is actually really over right now. He is. Yeah, so he is. We've got to do that for sure. And you know what, though, I know I'm bouncing all over the place. Please do go Dominic. ahead. You, you know, Raw. Yeah, it was good to see. Uh, it was good to see Dominic out there. But man, he's just—you lose something when Rhea's not with him. They you do. do. You just do, do, man. You they know, mom, mommy's going around the world. You know, uh, doing. Uh, you know, I don't know where she was at if she's doing that press or not. I don't. I don't know what they have involved, but he just seemed lost without her. But yeah, I, I see Ray winning that match. Madcap would be random. I, you know, uh, man, he's. He just lost a mixed tag match, though, right? A couple of weeks ago, we really haven't seen much of him. But I know I, I, I like Ray. I like Ray in this situation. I think him and Guther could be a pretty good little match, man. Um, Coop a loop. We continue along. What else was going on on SmackDown? We had Sonya Deville. You know what? Her and Charlotte <laughs> had a good match. You didn't. You know. You never thought it was for what she it had is. A yeah, but yeah. You know what? And then Charlotte went over to NXT, and she just felt like such a big star when she was yeah. doing that intro um, for the uh, the NXT pay per view. And Bailey goes there on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit about NXT in just a minute. We had a quick win for the Viking Raiders over the Brawling Brutes. Just wanted to keep them strong. And you know what? Both of these teams are starting to com- complete a, a, a solid tag division now. This tag division starting to stack up as there aren't. Two belts, which is a bummer, because right now it feels like there would be I know, man, some, some good opportunities for a lot of these other teams. But and you know who looked re- really good in that match, and no surprise uh, was Butch, and the yeah. guy is so freaking good, so freaking good. So we got a Bray Wyatt. I think I think was, we I think we had a before that we had a run in after the match, but yeah. Um, oh, Drew. Uh, so the Drew and Sheamus show up to confront. So that, that'll that'll be okay. It gives all these guys something to do. But I let's let's get to the Bray thing because I, I, I'm not feeling good about this, and I was worried before WrestleMania. I was worried. I, I brought it up on our before the Rumble. Before yeah, the Rumble. Uh, before the Rumble, I brought yeah. it up in our Royal Rumble preview. I, I just felt like a, that Friday night go home show on SmackDown. I didn't like that promo. I, I I didn't like heading into that. I thought the match was okay um, for what it is. And I don't know here, man. I'm just starting to get, get some bad vibes, and maybe this leads to something that's spectacular. But I, I really didn't care for this segment much on Friday Well, it's night. confusing. First, he, we know that we've all seen that Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt are two different people. How, now is he Now he is Uncle Howdy. I'm just confused a little bit here. I'm not exactly sure what it it in the middle of the LA night towards the last week or so it started to take a little turn and then it, most of the weeks it felt like LA night was the one kind of stealing a little bit of the spotlight for Bray. So I thought it was too even on the Monday night Raw Triple X 30 mm-hmm. anniversary thing because they're thought, supposed to uh, yeah. be having this long-term Storytelling, right? There's like a personal producer or or writer that came in to work with Bray Wyatt. So hopefully this is going to get to a point. Well, I didn't like this week's episode of that storyline. Me neither. I didn't, I didn't at all. like it. They it lost just didn't. Me. I just, I'm very it, confused. They got to get me back 
now. Yeah. Let, you gotta yeah. get me back coming soon. We had the Elimination Chamber qualifier between Shotzi, Shayna, Natalia, and Zelina. And this made sense. They're going to be in Canada. So uh, Natty gets the win. She will get a big reception there. And win or lose, she'll be someone that they can probably have yeah. towards the very end of that match. And, and you know, the crowd Poor will, girl. will really girl. enjoy it. Gino, do you ever see her winning the world title before she retires? No, probably not. Again. Man, poor girl. No. And that's unfortunate. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. You know, for, for Natty, who she's forty years old. She's forty. Yeah, she's you know? been around for so long. She's still really sharp. And, and you know what? She's look. She's done. She looks as good as she's ever looked. Look, right she, so now. okay. So uh, she won the Divas Championship and she won the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. But I don't think it was very long she had that SmackDown Women's Championship. Because I don't remember her ever holding that title. No, remember she would get little. so emotional and it was kind of felt weird. We didn't know if she was fake crying or not. I don't know. The match was fine. I, yeah, I'm with you. She probably needs to win to to, um, to have uh, a, a good pop uh, at Elimination Chamber. But I, I don't see her, you know, I don't see her winning it. And then we had that awesome main event segment. Uh, Fans uh, cheering for so Sammy. Good. He shows up. He attacks from behind. And... Uh, yeah, it was it was good stuff. It was good stuff. He said Roman says, I'm gonna uh you're gonna get your title match because I want to beat you up in front of your friends, family, and the crowd that will love and what he made a comment. What did he say? Go back to doing jackass shit. <laughs> he said yeah. something like something like that, which was great. He's just excellent stuff. And uh they were looking all night for Jay. So We'll uh, we'll see what I happens. That was a good touch, not have him there. Yeah, and a good way to to bring it into a storyline. So um, yeah, because if he turns on, you know, if if he's look like plays the part where I don't know, I still like Sammy, and then he turns, they're really going to get a lot of go away heat. Just a fun storyline, dude. It has good. been since day one. It just has, and I, I was a little iffy with Sammy joining the bloodline. So I thought I was this little goofy guy running around with the. You know, the Roman Reigns t-shirts before the big bloodline t-shirts and the name, you know, started, you know, grabbing headlines. And, man, it's worked out so well. It, it really has. Let's hit Vengeance Day was on Saturday. Coop, Dude, was this one, like of, one of the best NXT events that you've seen? It just Mark shows you being on the on the road with a live crowd and so much it, getting than that. out of that yeah. performance center. Which, yeah. is any any it's not even that it's it's great to have, but... Any place just gets so stale after a while And wow Wow And I think the only The only thing that hurt this show Was that you have A legitimate match of the year candidate Right off the bat Like <laughs> One of the best show matches That you will see Right off the bat to start Wesley and Dijak Holy Just cow, throw this thing down they go at it 17 plus minutes. This was like this felt like a legitimate old takeout a takeover match. And at the end, Tony D shows up, distracts Dijak, and um it helps Wesley get the win. Now Wesley wasn't asking for the win or anything. And what it does is it sets up Wesley and Tony D and Tony D telling Wes that you owe me a favor. You owe me, <laughs> you owe me a favor. <laughs> <laughs> so man Coop This was this was a really good match And Dijak at the end His finger is just Dislocated 
and just completely bent the opposite way. It was so disgusting. God, it was. I mean, just you think of what these men and women do, you know, put their bodies through. And hey, look, it's not like a football play or a basketball play where, you know, a quarterback or, you know, somebody. I've seen injuries, freak injuries where. NBA college high school where the ball gets passed and it hits your finger the wrong way and you run off. I mean, you got to finish the match. <laughs> you know, we're live, pal. As, as good old JR said, I, it just looks, as you said, 17 plus minutes to kick off the show was this. I thought, okay, we're in trouble. We really are. We're, we're, you know, I uh, understand why this match was first, um, but we're in trouble. And uh, I, I didn't think they would follow up very well. I thought there was going to be some lags. But this that that opening match, I know I, I say this once per NXT event, but it this was one of the best NXT matches I've seen since I've started watching it. And I wasn't a faithful watcher on the network, but I got into it when it was, you know, the black and gold brand when when you definitely had to watch the old WWE network. Wesley is phenomenal. We say it week in and week out. We thought he is. We thought and you know what? Trouble. That, so that's damn good, dude. What they did on Tuesday with him, I thought um they were showing the um the behind the scenes right of him with his wife yeah and how like the lead up it, it was basically looked like it was stuff that they would film for some of the documentaries right you know like the 24/7 stuff that they they'll put on the network it was really good i liked that they showed some of that because it just made his wife was crying and talking about all the work that he's put in and and like how happy she is that everyone's been so receptive and she knows he's going to win and it was just it's like really good stuff. You almost get teared up when you see it. It was it's great. It's good stuff for a baby face. Um, we then had Caden Carter and Katana Chance versus Fallon Henley and Kiana James. This one went nine minutes and twenty one seconds. The match was fine, but it was it's more of an angle, right? They're yeah. telling a story than it was necessarily like the the finish or a big big blow off match because they had Kiana James cheat. She's kind of a heel, and Fallon is a super baby face, and they're I like this though. Me too. It's there. It, there's layers to this, which is fun. It's kind of like an old school uh, Sting and Lex Luger yeah, sort of thing, you, you know, <laughs> like where they would they had like a team, then one was a baby face and one was a heel, and yeah, I think the crowd sort of liked time, it. Was I think in that in that tag when they won the titles, the uh, WCW titles, I think Lex was calling himself Sexy Lexi, and mm-hmm. these promos, and Sting would get so pissed off about it. It was great. It was funny, and then, <laughs> and so Fallon doesn't realize that that Kiana cheated for them to win until the next night. And I like that it was simple, right? The next night, she's not going to act dumb. Or on Tuesday, she doesn't act dumb. She's seen it, so she brings it up. Hey, I saw what happened. You cheated. I'm not happy about it. And she says, "What do you want? When you just go give the titles back?" And she's like, "Well, no." And, <laughs> and so now there are like layers to this, and. She's also, you know, in love. Her 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 boy, her buddy, um, is in love with her. And next week is Valentine's Day. He's got a big date with her next week on Valentine's Day. But uh, Kiana has been on the phone with somebody else. I just so many layers. It's like a soap opera too. I love I love this, but it's <laughs> it's good. And then while this is happening, we're getting a heel turn from Chance and Carter. It looks like, like too. That. I like it. They went up and. What would ha- What would you do if this happened to you? You'd be pissed off. I would. You'd go up and you'd be mad. Now they went up to Roxanne Perez and 
she's the the biggest baby face in the world, and so Roxanne ends up uh, finding a partner for next week. She's going to get have Mako, no friends. Mako you know, Satamura. Promos are so cheesy. They're you know? so. You don't think I have friends? Friends. I have friends. friends. <laughs> She's so corny, but you know what? She's cute and she's good it in the ring, and it'll get, it'll take you to a certain point, and and then maybe the crowd will start turning on you. But I think she's okay. Well, she's got those. She's got those. You remember how gimmicky over Bailey was in NXT? It's sort of like that. You're right. That's what I, I think. They're not. And I'm not, look. I'm not using the word copying. I'm just saying there's some kind of blueprint that they're using this for her because hey, look. Once, if she's able, you know, whether or not her moniker is there for her to be a heel, if she does, it'd be great. But I see some early Bailey vibes. You remember Bailey was in NXT? She was such a massive baby face. The hugger, remember, she would hug everybody. Mm-hmm. I kind of get these vibes a little bit uh, from Roxanne Perez. You know what? I think uh, I think that's what they're going for too. And um, next up, we had another match that it could have. The match wasn't bad. It goes, you know, 23 minutes in a two out of three falls match, but it's just 2-0 that Carmelo Hayes wins. And the action is very good. It's just, it was sort of, it's always a little weird to see matches booked 2-0. And I think it, there's nothing surprising about it because we've, we've seen what's going to happen coming out of it. It was just, it just felt like another match that was a little bit more story than trying to get to the five-star match, which is fine. They're a couple months away from their big shows, so they were telling a story now with Apollo Cruz and Daba Kato, who was the former commander Commander Aziz, and they were aligned. And Carmelo Hayes is getting a babyface turn, like full on. We see it on NXT Tuesday night. He comes out. He basically says, "I'm going to come after you, Braun Breaker," but he gets interrupted by JD McDonough. They have a really good match, and Carmelo is going to be a babyface, and he's going to go after Braun. Just sort of like we were hoping and we expected. And they've just between this show and Tuesday, because we're kind of talking about it all together, mm-hmm. they have a lot of cool stuff now yeah. in the works that I'm really excited about. Uh, look, uh, you and I both have said from the early stages is Carmelo is just a freak athlete, man. He, you know, uh, you can, you can, for a guy to not have a massive indie, or not a massive, but a big indie background who comes in to the NXT performance center and to do what you're uh, to do what he's been able to do in this short of a time you and I've both said this this kid is main roster ready right now he is I don't care you know he got this no he this kid could could go on raw or smackdown right now and be a major star this week he's ready and uh I I I would I would put the rocket on him I know I I just I haven't been Warm to Braun Breaker uh, since uh, he he lost the title to to my guy, the Dirty Dog Dolph Ziggler. I, I just think something has been missing there. Braun was not on Tuesday night. I thought that was interesting. I don't know what they're doing. I just don't like when champions of, of your promotion are not on a show. I just I, unless they're injured or something's wrong, I just don't like them missing an episode. Um, but I think this guy is is the guy to get the title. This, this is uh, this is a WWE guy. This is this guy's going to have a long run, Gino, in the big leagues here in WWE. He's he's phenomenal. Let's get to, yeah. I mean, so we're, we're and we're going to Carmelo 
and Trick will be great as baby faces. You don't even have to change them that much. They'll just make fun of the heels instead, like they were doing with McDonough. Sure. And now you have it's got to be Carmelo beating Braun, right? I think yes. so. He beats Braun. And then you've got whether or not it's something that is interesting, at least they have a story with Apollo that he's going to be facing his old partner, nemesis, friend, whatever it was. On Tuesday night, we saw Dabakato come out, have a squash match. And then after, just said quickly, they asked why he's back. And he said, Apollo Crews knows why or some shit, you know, <laughs> something like that. And then he, he walked off. So I was and, a little shocked that he went two over or uh, two O on Apollo. Me too. You, you don't really little, shocking. And it's weird because when it happens, you always sort of feel bad for the person that it happens to, but I'm glad it happens because it would happen in real life. Right. right. Like everything wouldn't always be game yeah, seven. We, yeah. We don't. Yeah. We, we get some, Four O's. Sweeps all the time. Three out of five. We get three O's, right? Gentlemen sweeps, right? The four ones. <laughs> or, yeah, three ones. So, yeah. Absolutely. And um, we had this was one of the things that sort of surprised me. Um, good in ring. But man, we had the NXT Tag Team Championships. We had New Day, Gallus, Chase U, and Pretty Deadly. So, if you would have told me, the New Day were going to win and hold this to WrestleMania weekend for Stand and Deliver and then lose it to whoever they wanted to be the next team. I would have said that makes sense. Or if you would have said Chase U is going to pick up the win in yes. Chase's hometown, they are super over. Or even if you would have told me Pretty Deadly is going to pick up the win. I just would not have guessed Gallus at all. They just seem like the least over team in just in this match overall, which was which was good. They sort of seemed like they weren't even in it the most until the end. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And that was great. Didn't like, didn't like who went over. Yeah, and that's a bummer. Um, we saw Pretty Deadly and Chase U go one on one on NXT, and Pretty Deadly ends up picking up the win there in another chance for Chase U to go over. I almost wonder if maybe they're being set up to be the team for WrestleMania. Maybe we're they're giving it a little bit longer because for them, they still got six weeks. There's not another show in between. So maybe we get, you know, a Gallus pretty deadly, and then we can get another, you know, we can get back <laughs> to Chase U. But dang, it just felt like this, it kind of felt like that was their moment. And this is something like we talk about in any promotion. It, they are pretty over right now, and the crowd likes them, but it's there. They've always been kind of lovable losers. You could have actually gone with them right here. Yeah. And I'm hoping they get another chance and I don't know if they are. We're probably, you know, you and I both know we're probably going to get a turn Duke and chase, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, I, I did like that pretty deadly showed up to NXT Tuesday night, disheveled, you know, and uh, you know, Booker said, "Oh, those guys look like they've been, you know, had a had a had an all night binger or what, or they were on he, a binge." You know, I, I did like that. I, he is so hit and miss. Like is, there are he is, he, some sorry. of his stuff is great that he says. I actually will laugh too, at, and other he, things. He, I'm like, he talks too much. He does. Yeah, he he talks like, too much. He and it's just keeps going and going. <laughs> <for Joe. laughs> 
<laughs> and then he tries to play it off by laughing at the end of everything he says. You know, I don't know if that's a nervous like, <laughs> you know, it Nick, is. Uh, it is. I, yeah, the match was great. I, was. Gallus, I don't know, but pretty deadly showing up on Tuesday night, all disheveled. Uh, didn't they get the win over Chase U? They did right? get the win, so they'll Which, be probably maybe yeah. they get a match against Gallus coming up, and then hopefully that'll mean Chase U can be the team. Mania, if that's if that's what they're building to, because I I thought for a while it may have been the Creeds, but they seem like they're kind of off in a different in a different direction right now. So yeah, and we, I don't uh, like the direction they're going in, but uh, me neither me neither you know, with the Creeds. Cold. Cold. No, the I like that we keep getting videos of Nikita. Yeah, keep you yeah. know what she's gonna have a long recovery, so keep reminding us about her. I think that that shows you that they uh they like her, and then the women's. Championship match, Roxanne versus JC versus Gigi. This was very good. Nobody was expecting Roxanne to lose this match, but I thought all three women women worked really hard. And then it led to the segment on NXT the next night, which was in the main event. And it was these two ladies with Bailey and uh that was, was her, odd. That was odd was, bringing Bailey on there. Yeah, I didn't know. It was a little I don't weird. I just, I don't, I, she just came out of a cage match and her arm was in a sling. And I went, did hmm. I not have, you know, when you have sort of like that? Bailey with two heels, I know they were basically turning Gigi into a baby face in this segment. Well, I thought now. maybe they were going to turn on Bailey. Could, me you know, me too. They, you know, it they felt like there was going to be about the, yeah, they mentioned something like, Hey, maybe we'll go up and, and, you know, uh, in, in challenge for the WWE women's. You know, championship, and I thought, okay, something's fixing to happen here. And boy, did it ever! Gigi got her butt kicked, man. Did you have you seen the the photo she posted on her Instagram? Brutal. Then and oh, at the end of that, when that kick was so stiff, dude. JC <laughs> uh, turns on her, throws her into the door, and then kicks her right into her head. It was brutal. It was way too stiff of a kick. And uh, ooh, we'll uh, we'll lead to again. Though I'm sure these two ladies will have a match. Hopefully at the Mania Weekend show. So sure. right now, I mean, between what they're building there, where it looks like they're heading for the title match, Braun Breaker gets the win over Grayson Waller. The match was fine. It was good. His matches are always fine. You know, Braun's had better main events like this, and he's been he's just getting a little bit stale right now. Braun is, you know, and I think it's a good. It just feels like a good freshening and a good time for Carmelo. To be the guy to take it over We saw Grayson come in and talk trash To Shawn Michaels On Tuesday on NXT And then that actually led To Tyler Bate calling out Grayson Waller So um, that's going to be a match That comes up on NXT in a few weeks Again that should be pretty cool At least that match I don't know if it's going to lead to more But Tyler Bate reportedly is going to be back In the mix I think in a, in a more serious way so he's someone that they can book there into the North American championship picture. Like this guy can really go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like, uh, I like a lot of things happening here. Um, I, I didn't feel like Braun was going to drop the title here. No. I so I think, no, it. I don't think anybody did either. Right. For a lot of, no. so a that's, lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I do think Carmelo's the one to unseat him and whether or not he goes up to the main roster, that's, you know, just hopefully there's, would get a Bron. I, I, look, if you're going to bring him up, Gino, to the main roster, Bron Breaker, would got to be just, Steiner. 
the, yeah, you t- you took the words right out of my mouth. You got to be Rex Bronx, Steiner. Steiner. Yeah. yeah, Rex you, you freaking Steiner. To, you have to. You have to. And you know, uh, and he could say I was Braun Breaker, but now I'm Rex Steiner. You like, know what? Don't be I like, stupid yeah. about it either. Yeah, you you have to do that. But you know, and I didn't. Name. It's a good wrestling name, man. Rex it Steiner. Is. It is. It is, and it fits. It, it fits perfectly. With the dog, with the gremlin, with the Steiners. It's just, I want. Like, I want Rex. to that dog collar back on. Uh, Look, uh, if you uh, want to emulate the dad and 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 put the the amateur wrestling headgear oh, on, and know, not, you know, dude. That, you talk about you know what over. I want to see right now, and I didn't even know I wanted to see it until right now. I want to see Braun Breaker and Chad Gable as a team right now. Ooh! I didn't even know how my mind came to that. I want Chad Gable and Braun Breaker as a tag team, like the Steiners were, just like a badass tag team. Ooh! Give me, sign me up for some of that as you like know- a way to to get Braun in. You know, not, I mean, not the very beginning. Maybe he brings him in with the uh, Gable Academy, sure. right? Because sure. they're becoming more baby faces. I don't know though, because they they like Braun and they think they. It seems like they think the Gable stuff is kind of silly. Like I don't know if they're gonna associate the two of them. But if Gable ever got like a freshening, I think it would. Braun needs to be brought up in a sort of pressure less in a non really pressure situation, right? I don't think you okay. want to bring him right up and put him in a one-on-one feud with someone where Braun's needing to cut big promos. Braun in a tag team like that or something where he can get over and then maybe become a heel, that that would be good for him. I think when he becomes a heel, it'll be good. But initially, let him come up, have some good matches, maybe sort of like The Rock, then he can kind of turn and start talking crap on you. Think about how it happened with Roman Reigns too. Like he's sort of going to feel like one of those guys. I think people th- feel like they're for they're getting forced on, right? Braun. Right. So no, he- I I agree. You, you know, uh, in the other half of that match, Grayson Waller. This is a guy I couldn't stand. You know, it's hard to get used to some of these wrestlers uh, who are from the UK. It's just it's it's hard to get acquainted to them. Uh, but this guy has turned into, uh, I think, what is a star. I, I just, I think he can do anything. I think he's done every role they've put him in. And he's been in some weird roles. Uh, he, he's hosted, what, the Waller Effect show. Um, look, if they're giving you a show on a show, they have to think highly of you. Because those are the hardest things to do. I know people, people laugh a lot and make fun of The Miz. But to get out there and host a show... It, in a show, and you know the crowd's probably going to turn on you in that show, especially if you're a, a heel, it's not easy to do. And he's been able to do that. Um, and he's just this Weasley heel dude that just, like, you can't seem to get, you know, to get rid of. And I think he does a really good job at it, a really good. I hope he doesn't fall too far off, but I really like Grayson Waller, man. I do. I do. A couple things from Tuesday that we may not have talked about. We did talk about a, a lot of the uh, the overlap between the shows. So, it does look like we're going to get, um, and I hope it, it's like a cage or some sort of submission match, a Dragonoff versus McDonough. Those guys who had some yeah. really fun matches in NXT UK, and then Dragonoff comes out after the McDonough match, and he goes after McDonough and chases him through the crowd. That dude just has so much Dragonoff, just passion, like energy, excitement. He... He makes you hard not to be like interested in what he's doing, especially when it's more than just the one match. When it's an actual feud, this was the dude that beat Walter um, Gunther when he, you know, when he had that really long winning streak, and I think I think he dethroned him 
And they had a couple just unbelievable matches This guy, he is good So, man, they've got a lot of fun stuff It looks like it's going to be in the works For that stand-in deliver show Which is going to be, what, Saturday afternoon I think again this year On the the WrestleMania weekend I'm going to see if I can go I'm going to be going to Mania on uh, on Saturday uh, I think I'm going to night one Yeah, I was I'm, So we need to get talk. you on on Mania Radio Row. On the media, on row. Mania, I know Media Row. Let's get me up on the pre-show up yeah, there. Well, Seriously, we see what we can do. We got to see what we can, what strings we can pull for. for that's what G said this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper, put you on Radio Row. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, Isla Dawn just pick up a quick win over Tatum Paxley. Dawn and Fire have a tag team match with um, Ivy Nile. And uh, Paxley, Ivy Nile came out to get the save So that'll that'll be coming soon We mentioned Carmelo gets the win over McDonough Which was really good Dragunov comes out afterwards All throughout the night they were celebrating The, the women's tag team titles So they were having a, a few drinks Brooks and Dunn are pumped It's Valentine's Day <laughs> next week Gonna be getting a little some so, uh, Mama Rio Mama Rio <laughs> the, uh, We got to look at Shawn Michaels Backstage um, Actually that was in, in the video package too Steve Carino, he was back there Gotta look at uh, Carino um, Next week Wesley's gonna have a North American Championship Open Challenge and Tony D Has sort of talked about how he May be accepting the challenge His boy Channing Stacks picks up the win over Odyssey Jones, so some quick matches just to get Folks back on our screens that we may Not have seen for a while that led to Pretty Deadly versus Chase U and Pretty Deadly pick up the win there. So um, all stuff that we've already uh, hit on. And then to finish things up, it was Ding Dong Hello and that brutal, <laughs> brutal hit and kick to the head of Gigi Dolan. So next week we have West. And you know what, Gino? I think Gigi can be a big star. I do too. A, a baby face star, man. Uh, I mean, she's got, she's got some Becky Lynch vibes. Yep. You know, uh, kind of emo chick. Uh, same time, she's crazy. Um, I, I think I, I like what they're doing here. I, I, I'm glad that she's going to get a, a push and do it on the uh, the baby face side of things because I think she could be. She was look. She was a star on the indie circuit. She just couldn't. She really never signed that big contract with anyone. And then she signs it here with uh, WWE NXT. I think that I think this is a star here. I think this is a star for them. Next week, Wesley North American Open Challenge for the uh, for the NXT title, NXT North American title. Braun Breaker is coming back. Roxanne and Mako Satamura versus Chance and Carter. Tyler Bate versus Grayson Waller. All set up for next week. So we got through NXT from Saturday and from Tuesday. Let's head back in time from Tuesday to Monday To Monday Night Raw As uh, we open up Monday Night Raw You think you know me On this day I didn't know that Creed sang every song Every we entrance sing. song I know every song that you and I sing Every entrance song Creed sings My Maria Creed sings Edge's entrance song And the Edge and Beth are great Because um Afterwards, Beth said, you know, I told, you know, Edge, okay, we have to be really serious. You know, we're coming back. We're mad. So when I when we walk out there, do not smack me on the butt. And like two seconds after they start walking down, Edge smacks her on the butt. 
and she gives she like looks over at him and edge kind of smirks it's just funny it's like and then hearing afterwards that that's what she said it's so funny that you know it would be really funny just walking down with your significant other like that like just smacking her and she would don't do that to me you know and and that's just beth um somebody said let me let me me ask you about, about something here and i'm glad we're talking about beth and she calls out rhea ripley right and rhea's not there do you i mean we have some time for mania rhea's already called out charlotte do we do rhea and beth at elimination chamber or is this something we need to finish before WrestleMania, what what are your thoughts as we move forward with those two? Since Rhea's well, made the decision to to go after Charlotte, for, yeah. Charlotte. So we're going. That's it's we're doing the tag at Elimination Chamber. Okay, that's right. We're doing that. So we're, we're doing, doing the, the Balor, Balor okay. and Ripley versus Edge and Beth. Uh, that's so right. maybe maybe we get a singles in, on Raw between at, following that. I could see so, that happening. So I could see that. We're definitely Judgment Day edge. cheating. Yeah, they lose. Yeah. They lose, right? Because Rhea can't be losing right now. Yeah, it, it, yeah. E- even Edge pinning Finn, it's not a good look. No, unless, I don't like that. You know? I think they cheat with the help of the Judgment Day. They win. Uh, you know, Rhea gets the win. That leads to like a Rhea versus Beth match on Raw, and then you get Finn and Edge at Mania again in and, some okay. sort of a yeah, you know. Good uh, steel cage Rhea match. Cannot so, lose one match. No, no tag nope, match. Nope. I don't can't want cheat. Nothing nope. at all. Nope. Don't you nope. dare. Don't Rhea can't at all. Not at all. Okay. I don't want her losing anything. And because she's eventually going to have to make her way over to SmackDown. Yep. You know, it, can't lose this. Cannot lose this at all. And that's coming up at uh, Elimination Chamber. Um, I know. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm crazy about. It. Do you, Do we have another draft? Do we? Do you see them doing that again? And getting some of these people, or are we? I don't know. Yeah, we haven't really we haven't that, done that like in a while, right? Band. Was that a Vince thing, or was everybody involved? Well, I, I mean, liked were, it. I liked me too. It. I, I liked it when they did it well because yes. a few years they did it well, and it was it was interesting, and it would freshen things up for a little while. Well, you've got to get Rhea to SmackDown, and mm-hmm. I, you know, so eventually you're going to have to either break up Judgment Day, or we're, Charlotte's going to go. Or is that down. how you get? Charlotte to Raw and Bianca to SmackDown, or that's how you get the Dominic stuff, right? Dominic okay. goes with Rhea you know over to SmackDown, Look, we, Mommy we and Pop it out, we right? It out. Dominic is with her when she goes over to like confront Charlotte, and so then Dominic there is there, gets stuff going on with uh with Ray. That's or they can at least build their matches that way. That way, in the, yeah. in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, yeah. That's why. That's why we do this. Look at that. That's why Boom. we do this, man? Just. Just talking it you out. You gotta get. You've got to get them over there. You can't just appear. Yep. Or you just no. Think, oh, hey, you know. Okay, I agree. I like that. I like that. Okay. We had a couple really good matches that were qualifying matches for the elimination chamber. Think these are matches that if you just put out Angelo Dawkins versus Damian Priest, a lot of people wouldn't have cared about the match nearly as much as no, this because not at you all. just start asking questions like, oh, "Okay, cool." Is, is this going to be where the Street Profits maybe break up? Or does Angelo win this and him and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Montez are both in there? Or what's going to happen? And while you're asking all these questions, these two guys who are both big dudes have a really good match. And Angelo has been extremely improved. 
Damian Priest picks up a clean win Which is kind of cool to see him get This thing goes 11 minutes This is a good TV match between two guys Who don't have a whole lot of singles matches anymore But both are guys who are very good And I like this a lot I really did Yeah, perfect uh, analysis of this Because if this is just a Raw match not that to say it wouldn't be good. So they they get behind uh, it, the match itself, but when stakes are, are a little higher, um, and you've got some qualifying, uh, the winner advances. It just the stakes are higher. It just means more. The match means more. The fans get in get into every moment of it. It's just really good. It was a really good match. Good showing for both of them. I knew both of the. Uh, uh, what? The, the Street I, Profits I, wouldn't be in there street, I, I don't know yep. why I always want to call them private party I guess because you know That's, they, yeah, that's a yeah. rip off at AEW that we Yeah see. you're right I knew that both of them weren't, weren't going to uh, qualify for this match So I, yeah I'm okay with Damien in it You know he's good he, You need a big guy in some of these matches Big heel um, yeah. Imposing very really good talk on the mic. He had a gaff there in the beginning uh, yeah. When he came out But you know mm-hmm. that's okay It's okay. Now I will say Some people will look at this and think this means that she's getting buried. I think Chelsea Green's gimmick is is phenomenal. Dude, this is perfect for her. She gets to be on TV multiple times the show doing the Karen gimmick. She's complaining. (laughs) She does it really, really well, where she it doesn't really seem like she's acting. That's and that's what you're going for, right? And and then what was cool. So she complains that she's not in the elimination chamber and she wants a match and um he's you know, Adam Pierce says, Okay, I'll give you a I'll give you a, a match and you knew what was coming, right? I was I, did, I was like I was, I was hoping I texted another buddy and I, I said, I'm hoping they're not feeding her to Nia Jax. Yeah, I, that, as long oh. as it wasn't that, I was I was what uh, you were expecting like here comes the Undertaker, yes. right? You knew it was going to yes. be something just like that. Yes. And it's, it's Asuka. And, and you know what? And it worked out. It worked it, it's out. A, it was fine. They actually had, for a few minutes, she played a heel like a cheap heel would. She, what, she attacked Asuka early. She got some offense in. She actually looked like she was smart. You know what she reminds me of, what they're kind of going for, is like a Miz. Yeah. Yeah. And and like she could play that character great because the thing about Chelsea, which is like Miz, is that you can play this this gimmick where you're like a coward and you you you, you don't really want to st- be in a real fight as long as when you have to you can turn it up a notch. Right? When she needs to go in the ring for 10 minutes, she can very well. And that's the same thing with The Miz. Like, nobody says, oh, The Miz is the greatest wrestler in the world. But you don't really have, like, bad Miz matches either out there. No. You're never, you're never like, oh, that was just an awful match from The Miz. It's always like, well, that was, was pretty solid. Or, yeah, that was maybe a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. Chelsea's like that. She she can go in the ring, too. Yeah. Look, and let's not forget, you know, Miz is a multiple, you know, he, he – Headline WrestleMania. Let's, he never lets us forget that. He's multiple former WWE world champion. Um, just going back, you know, first and foremost, Chelsea is a wonderful human being. Very, very, very sweet, uh, nice young lady. Um, she's got a lot of acting ability, a lot of acting to her resume. And if you go back to the 
TNA Impact days where she played the hot mess, where she got left at the altar, where she's supposed mm-hmm. to get married, then she becomes the hot mess. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, she goes over to, uh, uh, what's the, uh, Lucha Underground and wrestles men and as like the black, this black widow character and mm-hmm. does phenomenal over there. And then the problem that happened with Chelsea is she, she had a couple, she had a, a string injuries. of injuries with Unlucky. her wrist. You know, NXT and SmackDown, both times that she came up and, and she was getting ready to get a push. So they, they had to release her because, but both times they got ready and they yeah. invested. It was, it makes sense to cut someone. And, and I, and I, I tell back. you, man, she is, and I can see her playing this character, uh, even before playing this character. And it just goes to show you how talented she is. And I thought she got some offense in that match. It could have been a squash. You know? if they if they like her enough and she's able to continue this and get over enough, the most perfect thing for her would be a money in the bank briefcase. Oh, 100 percent for the that, character. I, I've already. Yeah. Oh, I've already like thought if, about that. This if she amazing. continues and she's able to get over and sneak her way into that kind of a match and sneak the briefcase somehow, like like when Carmella won it, you know, with, yes. with the way that, you know, with the. Uh, with uh, Ellsworth, you know, where yeah, he got James it. James Ellsworth. Like, it would God. be something like that. I would, I would, her and Cardona have really done a lot of good work. And yeah, shout out have. to her. It's great to see her yeah. getting TV time on national now, TV. Did, look, did you think it was weird at all for, for the ring, like Natalia to be, come out there? Um, I, I, yeah, that was a little I, weird. They all, all the all, women in the match yeah. walked out. I think it was sort of a, it was sort of a way for them to kind of, Keep the match going for a couple minutes, maybe, okay. and have some distractions sure. around there. So I, I actually that. didn't. And you know what? In a weird way, it kind of it it was funky, but it sort of made me think more highly of Chelsea. Chelsea that they sure. had her out there with all of these girls because it almost looked like they were coming out to trash talk her. Yes, you know, yes. which which is kind of cool if they're all paying enough attention to her. So. I didn't. I didn't mind that she's in the mix with a, with all these women that are in the uh, the elimination chamber. Man, she, she takes good bumps too. Man, she's she just a, she, she's it's it's a good role for her, and uh, I, I just she's she's going to embrace this and run with it. Proud of her. She, good stuff from Chelsea. As uh, we see Dexter Loomis pick up. Look at this quick win, and now they're going JBL. Um, Turning on Corbin, basically getting rid of him. He called him a loser. He said, you're like pathetic. He just tore into him. And man, you know what I miss? I miss that Corbin Vegas gimmick. I miss that loser gimmick with with Corbin, man. When he was, <laughs> we lost all his money. And it, remember, him and KO were over. It looked like Corbin was one of the most over guys. Happy Corbin when he was winning the money back and we was losing. Man, that was a fun thing. Corbin was over there, and that—that that is the perfect example of why I say strike with someone when the iron's hot. I don't think you should have made Baron Corbin the world champion at that time or anything like that. But no. at that moment, his stuff on TV and his his lo- like lovable loser was really entertaining. It was the most entertaining he's ever been. Kevin Owens didn't have much going. They could have very easily been a tag team in the mix for a little while, and you could have had them play off of each other. But yes. they quickly went to the happy Corbin stuff, and they put Madcap with him, and it they were doing the jokes, and it and then unfortunately they jumped Madcap, the shark way too early with him, right? right? It was 
Like they, yeah, that thing was playing out really well. Stain, remember, he had stains all over his shirt. He'd be laying there, and then people were feeling sorry for him. It was, you know, it was I, great. It, it was, was good. It but was. This, this this needed a turn here pretty quick because Corbin has not been able to redeem himself from that. Yeah, and it's not his fault. It's just he can't get over. And I thought in the beginning, okay, JBL, you know, he he's a good crap talker. He's a great heel. That this will work. But it's just it. He hadn't been in a situation to make it work, honestly. No. Those, I'm sorry. I, this is one thing I don't like about WWE. They seem to go to it way too much. Are these darn poker games? I just, <laughs> you know, when you when you had JBL and you had uh, they love uh, they they love themselves some poker. They do. Yeah, you know, it was it was good then, but it just seems like even on NXT, but. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when you when you had them walk into that poker game, I understand Ron Simmons. That was uh, the 30 year anniversary. We had to do that, but we've done it a couple of times with with Corbin in there. And I, I just I don't know. I don't know what you do with Baron Corbin now. That's the thing. And I am a big Baron Corbin fan. I've said it many times. Baron week in and week out. Baron Corbin owns the last singles win oh, over Roman to... Reigns. Oh, like he pinned Roman Reigns, which is just crazy <laughs> to think about before this run starts uh, for Roman. Is um, Brock Lesnar comes out, babyface Brock, just <laughs> babyface Brock. He's goofy as a babyface, and it's funny because he gets lost a little bit sometimes. He does. You know he does what I mean? Yeah, he goes, but it, get a hell yeah or something but like it's that. Sort of, like, hey. In a weird way, it's sort of like it made me laugh a little bit seeing this big because it's like, I don't think no one's going to trash talk Brock. He's going to look at him and be like, you want to come and kick your ass, right? So everybody just sort of laughs, and it was, it's kind of funny to see him just like a big cowboy that sort of stumbles over his words here and there. Um, but – He's talking about Bobby who? Bobby Lashley. <laughs> and, uh, so Bobby Lashley comes out with the um, the, the sharp-dressed look, and he says he's going to have his agent and his manager look at the contract. He said, you know what, Brock? I beat you. I'm, I'm the one in charge here. I'm the one who's got the power. I kind of like this. Actually, actually, it was a little corny, a little goofy with Brock, but I thought um, – Bobby came off very, very good here, very strong. And sometimes this isn't Bobby's strength, right? The promo stuff. And, and but he, these two guys both have big, imposing presence. So they don't need a whole ton of promos, just like a little back and forth between them in the ring is good. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing is here um, with this, with this storyline going forward, man, they're, they're, so we're going to have the contract signing, right? Next week, right? That's what they said. Yeah, on SmackDown. And those, you know, it's probably going to happen there. Probably, look, if you're going to get Bobby Lashley any type of heat, I guess you're probably going to have to pair him up again with MVP. MVP has been back on television over the last couple of weeks. I didn't understand, though, Lashley spearing MVP a couple of weeks ago before we had the the, the match for the United States uh, championship, uh, yeah, championship on Raw. I didn't understand that. Maybe that, maybe that it was a this was a change since then because they thought Lesnar was going to go in a different direction at WrestleMania. So, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this, but I don't know how much of a storyline you can get behind with them. These two, I assume Lashley is going to get the upper hand at the contract signings. It's what Brock gave a couple of F fives to Lashley on Monday Night Raw, so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. 
We had a fatal four-way for the Elimination Chamber qualifying match. And this was a good match, for, but mm-hmm. it was it, it was 10 minutes or so. Um, you had like a lot of near falls, everyone getting involved back and forth. Piper Niven, Carmella, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae. Piper Niven's presentation, just so much better. Oh, so, so much better. right, just so much better. I thought she was like going to win. I, I really thought she was going to win. I, I think she, Carmella's fine. And she's and I'm shout out to Carmella. I'm glad she's back. She was dealing with a lot of uh, sure, tough too. stuff personally, and she looks good. And she's got like a little tweak to her character now. She's not like the real. She's kind of like a baby face. It looks like she's kind of like a tweener. She's not really like heelish as much as she used to be, where she was the wearing the mask. Remember, she had that oh, little that mask. Was so thing. Bad. That was really so bad. bad. So, so bad. Carmella has made her way into the. Um, Raw women's title match at WrestleMania. So now we have Oscar, Raquel, Liv, Nikki, Natalia, Carmella. What do you think with that field? Oh, um, I don't have a problem with it. Of course, we can we we can nitpick because um, the winner is facing Bianca. Bianca came out, cut a little promo on those on the ladies also, and said, "Hey, you know, winner winners got me." And I, okay, I won it, last I won last year, so I know about this, you know. So Okay, so the, does the winner face her at WrestleMania? Or yes. are we too far away? Okay. No, I think so, I think that's where we're going. Okay. So Asuka? No? To me, the only to me, I think you can eliminate Nikki, Natty, and Carmella. Yes, one hundred percent. I think if those three are out. I think Natalia can be one of the last two in the elimination chamber. Okay. But not win the match. Right, I think you want to keep Natty in that match as long as possible because the crowd's going to get behind her. Sure. And if it's a heel that you want, maybe they're going to have. I think you want Oscar with this new look to become a heel. And I, I think, think that she doesn't have to be full blown heel. To, just a badass. You know, because, yes. Yes. Just badass like she was at the beginning, where she's not going to be necessarily cheating, but she's just going to be striking we, we get hard. The We'll get the getting, mist. Getting the mist. Yeah, that that the mist. There we go. Like the mist could just signal maybe the the heel. It, I it, think Raquel or Liv could be okay. Ah, forget about Raquel. Right? They but like her. They, they like do. her. And they could do something like, you know, they could have Raquel who's bigger and bail and um with Bianca. And Bianca could do some really impressive stuff, you know, feet strength wise. So that one and even Liv, like Liv has obviously been over, and for, you know what? It was like a year ago when Liv had gotten herself over at the end of 2021, and she was doing a bunch of stuff with Becky, and we kept saying, gosh, we just hope that Liv is going to at least be able to stay on TV and not get moved out of the picture, and for for a year, she has been. She's done a pretty good job, even when she she won the title, and that wasn't strong. But even since then, she had a really good run in the Rumble. Before winning the title, she had a little tag team run with Rhea Ripley. She got involved and did the stuff with uh, with AJ Styles, remember? And, and oh, yeah. she was helping yeah. team with them. So Liv has kind of found a way to keep herself super relevant. I think all she year, sells a all, lot of merch too, and I think that still whole pulls a lot of weight in WWE. Don't you think? I too? think she was one of the top, if maybe the top one or two women as far as matches she had last year. Like through all of the live events, kind of going to what you're saying, they like her doing promotional stuff. She's good. She's adorable. She's beautiful. She's improved a ton in the ring, 
and she really cares, you can tell. And she's just got a fun like talk. And there was a something floating around, like a clip that she posted their day, and it was her and Ryan Satin doing an interview. And <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. She said like, you know, I just want to sell a lot of merch and everything. You know, it was just so it was so funny because she was just <laughs> they asked her like, what do you really want? She goes, honestly, I just want to sell a lot of merch. I want to be trending viral on TikTok every single day. I want to be the best wrestler around and just just like we're not yeah, jo- we're not asking a lot here. Joking, jokingly going through everything she wanted in like a hey, I know what I want way. But she's well, you know what's you know what's interesting about this, Gino, especially on Raw. Um, if you're a champion heading into WrestleMania, you probably all you're and you've had that belt for a while. Unless you're Roman Reigns, and it's probably going to change hands, um, which uh, you know he he may be ready and uh, wanting uh, to 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 move on. Um, on the women's side of things, right? Uh, you have Bianca, and let's say Oscar does uh, move forward. I don't know if they're ready to give Raquel the title. Maybe they are. You just don't know. It's a new day, literally in WWE with Triple H uh, uh, behind the uh, the reins uh, here on this. Uh, horse racing speak um there's a lot of talent left and you've got two nights and you've uh, no longer do you have one night of 15 matches where you have what talent is left you put them in the andre the giant battle royal or the fabulous moolah whatever you know whatever you call whatever what do you do with the likes of becky that's Uh, i was just gonna get there because and i think with bailey we are probably gonna get what might have been teased i think bailey might have a one-on-one match with Lita. Bailey okay. forever has talked about Lita being her all-time favorite wrestler. Like young okay. Bailey has pictures with Leah with Lita getting autographs. So Bailey th- would you wait. You didn't think this you didn't think this was the one-off on Monday night. This is no, the seed I, what, that's been planted. Yes, and I think we I don't know if we'll get anything at Elimination Chamber because I wonder if because they have Beth there. I wonder well, if they're not going to bring. Wait, yeah, they don't wait need to soon. bring Lita there, but no, like, she's got an injury, right? Bailey's got her arm in a sling, so she's yep. not working that show, is she? No, no. So okay. I think what we could get is I could see Becky and Lita go for the tag team titles in something, something like that. But what I what I really would like to see is maybe Bailey versus Lita. And I feel like they've got something in their pocket for Becky. Like I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that that Becky's sort of off in her own direction. No, and that's and that's why I brought it up. You cannot she, look at the end of the day. She she is that women's division on. Is Raw. there a you celebrity get, or something get, that they yeah, have can, out there? You know you what I mean? Like, or or we do it if if Seth and Logan Paul is not set. Which who knows? Do you get Becky and Seth as a tag with? You can't do Miz and Maurice. That, that's I think that's I mean no offense. You're just going a step below, and you don't want to just put them in there for that reason. But that's why I brought it up. I don't think we're I don't think this is coincidental that she's she's not having anything going on. Look, the, we'll get to the match. Her and her and Bailey was phenomenal. It was great. It was, it was great. great. And you don't and get again, much better keep, than that. We keep talking about too, like what's going on with Rhonda because. Well, that, I, I it, look if the rumors are true, and if she and you believe some of these people that are releasing this information, she wants the women's tag championship with Shayna with right? Shayna, which would be good. I think that would be great. I would love it. And how cool would it be if we could somehow quickly get there to like we give could me, because if give Dakota me, is really injured, those titles could be stripped. Give me, you know what I want now? Give me Becky and Liv. 
Ooh. versus Ronda and Shayna. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I could do that. I could dig that. I could do that. Because I, I don't think, and as we're, we're talking this out too, and as we've got the women's uh, elimination chamber match set, I don't, I think they had Rhea go to Charlotte because I don't think they're ready for Bianca to lose. I think that's, that, to me, that maybe signaled that. Like, Whoa. I think that whoever of these, of these challengers doesn't seem like they're as for sure to win as Rhea Ripley was. Like so I think you're Rhea's telling me, Charlotte. you're telling me you're going to put the morning line favorite as the champion, Bianca Belair versus whoever. Yeah, I am. Okay. I, I don't right. think either any of these are as they're They all sort of feel like, well, all of them didn't win the rumble, right? Rhea is the one who they were the most for sure of. And if they wanted Rhea to beat Bianca, they just would have had Rhea. Say, if Rhea would have said she was going to face Bianca, I would have said Rhea is going to beat her. Right. I just don't think any of these other women right now are heated up enough to win. Against no. Bianca. No. So they would have so to do a whole Oscar lot win, in the next six weeks. So Oscar wins the Elimination Chamber match. Let's say that. That's what I right? think. I think so. And so you. you Uses I, the mist. Gets the heel turn on Natty in, in Canada. On perfect. Natty. But you don't find her, find her as a viable option to get the title off of Bianca? If, or do you think they're if, happy? If they start. And then if they run with her for the next five weeks in a heel way. She might be fun. To beat Bianca, and then Bianca is probably better again chasing. You know what I mean? And and then having sure. whatever you want, and it can set up some new feuds with a, a heel Oscar and a babyface Becky going after her, right? Which is you. something sure. that they've had or different things. So yeah, I mean, I feel like Oscar's probably the best option for for Bianca. She she you're and I know where you were going. She of all of them feels like she actually could beat Bianca. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I can maybe say that Raquel about because is because of the physical uh, presence, but I don't think she's done enough. Um, I, it, it, I, I just don't think so. So Shelton and Cedric pick up a win with MVP over Alpha Academy. This was kind of weird because we see Alpha Academy all the time. Gable just had a really good match with Rollins last week, but in about a five minute match, Be- uh, Benjamin and and Cedric pick up the victory here. So. I guess we're getting a that hurt business reunion, which we've kind of had teased for a little bit, but I don't think it's it hasn't been clean putting this back together. This no, is it's been something you would criticize AEW for. Yes. So I definitely want to criticize them for it too. It just hasn't been like some weeks Bobby Lashley's a baby face, he's slapping hands as he's walking to the ring. <laughs> he's an evil heel. Then you put him against Austin Theory. So it was really the dynamic there was weird. And now He's wearing his suits and he's talking about his managers, reading contracts. So it's it hasn't been smooth putting these guys all back together. I completely agree. That's why I, I think if you if you want Lashley to get that heat, cheap, 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 cheap heat. I guess MVP would be the way to bring him back. But I'm surprised that they got the win over Alpha Academy. Me too. But the, the what's the what Maxine and the model company uh, they get raw contracts though right the, didn't, yeah didn't, and Otis yeah you got to get Otis over there with them in the maximum male have models to. have to <laughs> next week we got our guy Rick Boogs Boog. he likes to rock dude Boogs is like he is so huge I don't think people like he's what he's so big he reminds me of like an a, like a late '80s wrestler that yeah. was just like all chest and body. Yeah, like, he looks like a lost Steiner brother. He does. With that thick neck. Just massive. He's going to face The Miz next week. 
we uh, well, then we had that incredible interaction that we spoke so about with oh, Paul yeah. Heyman and with Cody Rhodes. Oh man, you were you you were uh, Roman was the son that Dust, Dusty never had or always wanted. Because keep Ugh. in mind, Dusty trained a lot of these guys in NXT, so Dusty knows Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and all them. That they was, love him. That and was a gut check time there for Cody. Woo. Cody tells Paul how back in two thousand. The Rhodes family didn't have very much money. Oh, that was incredible. And, which was which was real. That's yeah, that's, that's incredible. A shoot, brother, because we've heard about yeah, it with it the Rhodes family. One of the things about Dusty was he always wanted to keep the image that things were good. He always wanted to present that he was a star. So they would drive nice cars, and he would still dress well and try to go and spend money at nice restaurants when they didn't have it. Right. Because he wanted to, that image to be out there that he was the American dream. That's it. You know, and, son of a plumber. All, and he made it to the top, but unfortunately, the well dried up, and he had to go to ECW. And Paul Heyman, a guy who and didn't you know pay what, a lot of you know, and we forget about that part of Dusty's career. Think about it for a second. Think about how long that guy was in wrestling. All those matches with Ric Flair, the NWA, everywhere he's been. That's one place you never think about Dusty Rhodes is in with ECW. Paul Heyman. That's yep. crazy, isn't it? Yep. And uh, then Paul Heyman starts to tear up And he talks oh, yeah. about how much he loved Dusty And they go back and forth a little bit Talking about Dusty And he tells Cody, look Your dad didn't prepare you for this He wasn't around You know who he did prepare? Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins And Cody and uh, Kevin Owens And Bailey And then he says Roman Reigns And he goes on he says that um, Cody, your dad said that you were his favorite son. I mean, poor Dustin there, huh? Oh. I mean, what a just poor Dustin. God. But he said that the Roman Reigns was the son that he always wanted, Ugh. and it was great because Cody didn't go after Paul like he was going to attack him. No, he reacted no. like, like screw you, man. My dad didn't say that. You're making that crap up. But that's a messed up thing to say, right? Yeah. Like, like how we, he, Dusty Rhodes did not say that, right. right? We know that. So instead of going like, oh, my God, how could you dare? It's, you know what Paul Heyman's trying to do. He's trying to get in your head and screw with you. And so Cody reacted the, in the perfect way. I'm going to get you. He grabbed his hand and he said, I'm, you made this personal. I was just trying to go after the title. You made it personal. And I'm not going to go after you. I am going to personally take those titles from your guy. And you know what? If we never heard another promo leading that up was, to WrestleMania, it, I would be okay with that. That was it. <laughs> Just videos the whole way, right? Like they used to show those like, this is my legacy, oh, legacy, yeah. legacy. Uh, working, in the, working out uh, the weight room. <laughs> yeah, this is my legacy. Leg <laughs> that was really good television. Really good. Um, Montez Ford, maybe the Rockets are uh, getting strapped soon to Big Montez because he love it. He gets the win over Elias. He is in the Elimination Chamber match. Austin Theory, Johnny Gargano, Seth freaking Rollins, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Montez Ford. Dude, that's a pretty good. Like that's going to be a really good match. Going to be a hell of a match. And if you're going with Cena versus Theory at Mania. You said it last week. Um, Theory does not need the title. So let's say this would be a perfect chance right here for him to drop it, right? He could have to come he, out one. You know he don't have to get pinned, though, right? Or he, he, he could have to come out one, 
and then everybody could gang up on him right together and, and it could set him up to be pissed off he could come out the next night i'm still the champ i'm yeah. still the champ the champ is here and then cena interrupts him and that would be perfect so let's take austin theory out okay and, and let's Seth take him Rollins out is with logan paul let's take him out he's take not him winning out. this thing Okay, we're we're handicapping here. If no one knows what horse racing is or, or how, how we handicap a horse race, let's throw the horses out that do not have a chance to win. So, uh, does Montez get that rocket? Man, I think it's Montez. Really? If you go, like, if you go with a Montez or a Johnny Gargano, you could do the really good have a ladder match. Man, I, think Gar- I think Gargano's getting this title. I think you do that. I think you go with one of those two guys, and then I think you just have them in a, like another multi-man sort of match and let them get over. I think it's one of those two. I really do. Damian Priest feels like he's a little bit more in the judgment day. I don't know okay. if this is for him. Uh, Bronson Reed, I think it's a little too soon. We really don't know much about him like at right, all. Right, too I, early. I, he can go in here and look dominant. And maybe you can set something up. And maybe, and maybe up. get it at WrestleMania. Somebody yep. get it at WrestleMania. Yep, maybe set something up for him. But man, it, there's also the chance that they just have Theory win and, and and have it against Cena, which he just doesn't need, like we've said. And they could do that, but I think it would be better to not have it on Theory. You can get it out of him easily in this match, and then you can have a U.S. title match at WrestleMania also. Remember, That's you've true. got two but nights. Let's- let, let's 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 play devil's advocate here. Say say they keep it on theory, and theory defends the title against John Cena at WrestleMania. None of us are gonna believe that Cena is gonna go over and win it. And what if Cena does? And the only thing that you do you could do is is you have Cena win it and then lose it the next lose night on the Monday Night Raw and pass it on or or however you want to do it. I could yeah. see that happening. Me too. That that would be. Because if you just have Theory versus Cena for no title, you probably think, okay, Cena, or, or unless you think that you're Cena's right, and maybe it, maybe it's so predictable way. the other way, right? Like right. you're saying, if it's no title, then you're like, oh, Cena's going to get the win here. But and, 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 and Cena doesn't have to get the win, but it's better no. if he does, though, right? It would be better if Cena wins at WrestleMania and then Theory gets his win back in a cheap cheat way the and, next and, and night. And gets the title back on and next gets night. gets the title back. I will go with, the, like, Miz. Didn't the Miz win it on yep. a pay-per-view the next night on Raw or two nights? Yeah, the next night because it was on Sunday. Wasn't that the I, Zack Ryder? I, I could, Didn't yeah. Zack Ryder win the IC Inter- title yeah, when and they lose it right away? Yeah. Yep. Remember, his dad was at ringside. It was the ladder match. He, he yeah. He got the title that way. I could see. I could. I okay. I, maybe I've talked myself into theory keeping this title. Yeah. Because he's got to have a lot of heat on him, and I think and, he, and he, Cena. He you know what? And like match. Cena was the U.S. champ early too, right? That was kind of his thing early on. It was and he like did he the was rap. that when you so maybe they do that and Cena. Yeah. Okay. He did the U.S. title open challenge too, right? That was Cena's <laughs> thing, right? When yeah. he was doing it, like. I could see Theory even trying to do a U.S. title open challenge and Cena popping up before Mania and say, but I'm accepting for WrestleMania. Yeah, or, or Theory saying, no, you're not on the active roster. No, I'm yeah. not defending it. See, I've talked myself back into the job. Yeah, me too. And it might be. It might <laughs> I be. want Montez to get that rocket. Me so too. Bad, or Gargano even. Like, or this Gargano. could be a good spot for the, either one of them. They've been showing him a lot and a mm-hmm. lot of Candice LeRae too a lot. So, yes. uh, you know, I, it, it's something that's there. you got to keep in the back of your mind. But at the end of the day, I think with Theory with this title – 
and Cena saying, you know, that was my first championship or I want this title. That means the world to me. And he does win it and he loses it back a couple of nights later. I, I, look, I, I'll go with that. I Look, either way, this is going to be a, a, a fantastic two nights of wrestling. And I think this elimination chamber, sometimes people overlook these type of pay-per-views where they say, uh, well, no, nothing's really going to happen. It really sets up a lot of good stuff for the next couple of months. Lita makes the save at the end. As uh, we Great talked match. all about her and the possibilities, good stuff from Becky and Bailey, and overall a really good show. So on the elimination chamber right now, we have Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. We've got Theory, Gargano, Seth Rollins, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. We've got Edge and Beth versus Finn and Rhea, and then we've got Oscar, Raquel, Liv, Nikki, Natty, and Carmella. It's a good. That's show. a hell of a that's a on hell of paper. a pay per view. Wow, dude. <laughs> that's a really strong show on paper. You Ooh. wonder if you'll probably get something with the Usos, and they have a match next week, so I'm not sure if that'll uh, continue over from SmackDown to the pay per view. As we get to AEW, we finish up with Dynamite. They called it Championship Fight Night, and for the same reason that I hate them in WWE, I hate when we have what are referred to as Eliminator matches where. You face the champion. You know what Ric Flair said? To be the champ, you've got to beat the champ and then beat the champ again. <laughs> no, it's not the way it works. I just don't like yeah, me this neither. formula in any company. I like the formula of having number one contenders matches between opponents. Well, what's, what's the, Gino, what's the point of AEW having these rankings? If you're not there, even no, there, there's no more. They, they don't show them. They they have not shown them in months. So the rankings are are none. Like they <laughs> they haven't. When's the last time they brought one up? They That's haven't true. brought one they up. They still in keep months. the look. And I'm going to be honest with you because I, I don't pay attention to that the on screen as much. Do the they graphics. do they? Yeah, do they still show the records they, and the graphics? Some of them, but they don't. I mean, they don't talk about the rankings of the of the win loss records, right? Of like who's ranked in the top five, or you got to move up, and that that used to be a thing. You had to be like in the top five to get a title match for. So all of that is out the window. Now we had a good another good night of in ring work. I think one thing people forget about MJF is we. Somebody said this yesterday. Uh, it was on post wrestling. The guys on post wrestling. They were looking up. Shout out to Jerry the King Lawler. Um, he had a what is it? Stroke. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's recovering. Uh, apparently doing pretty pretty well from where he was just a few days ago. As we talk on Thursday, and somebody said, you know, Jerry just had a match a few weeks ago. He did. Jerry Jerry had more matches last year than MJF did. Well, look, Jerry. this is the second time in six months, it seems like, that MJF has been, been in ring and, uh, and wrestled on AEW Dynamite. You, you completely forget about it, and, and he's, he's good. Like, he's really good in ring, and he's a great heel, and the match is, is great. Like, you would expect, like, Takeshita's very good. So after the match, he shoves the ref, he hits Takeshita with the Dynamite Diamond Ring, and then Brian Danielson comes out for the save. The medics are checking on Takeshita, who's bleeding. So we've got some blood early on, right away. We're going to get some more blood later First on. First match again, we've got blood. And I, I talked to you before the show. It's just the production of this was so sloppy. The poor ref is caught, is zoomed in, giving Takeshita the, the blade to do the cuts. So you knew something was coming after the match. Again, 
blood just it's every seems like two or three times a night now and there you did you didn't need blood here at all the blood later i actually didn't mind in the din in the brian danielson one because it's at the end of this gauntlet he you were telling the story of it would that was a brutal match it was a really good match the brian danielson roosh match but absolutely it just felt like once you've already seen it here it's a little bit less impactful when you see it later right you're you're just dumbed down to it a bit so mjf was all over this show and they were trying to make you hate him um no doubt about it <laughs> he picks up the win there and one of the things that i if you're going to have a bunch of these eliminator matches or eliminator challenge matches or and if you're going to have multiple of them on one show you got to have like i don't want the champs losing but you probably got to have them lose one of them to make me think these matches are viable right, right. otherwise it's just oh okay eliminator match like i don't i, I didn't think Jamie Hader was going to lose this match. I didn't think MJF was going to lose this match. And then we have a bad sort of botch that didn't look great at the end. There was a really awkward landing on a on a suplex. Match Ooh. was okay until then it went about seven minutes. Jamie picks up the win. Um, so not this was not good because of that. Um, not a positive. The one thing I do like is that they never they never went with the Jamie Britt turn, which I kind of I'm okay with. Sometimes it works, sometimes you don't need to. Like you didn't need to have the new day turn on each other really ever, right? They kind of they've been okay that way. So Hater is is fine, Britt is fine, like they're okay as baby faces, but th- this wasn't this wasn't good. No, no, it it wasn't. And it's sloppy. It just uh I you know, again, it it haunts Tony Khan. Uh, sometimes you just you don't need to talk just to hear yourself talk, and you you hear the line constantly anytime there's a botch on AEW, you know Tony Tony Khan coming out there and cutting that promo. We don't have a performance center. This is our performance center. You know we're giving these people matches on dark and dark elevation. It, it's just not a good look. It's not. And look at it happens. There were several botches in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, mm-hmm. Kofi had one. Things happen. It's a human element. Heck, but they happen at, less. We, so if you do. know they're going to happen, right. you got to be I, even I sharper, right? I think it's careless. I think it's careless mistakes, and I think a lot of these wrestlers, both sides, men and women, and I'm not just talking about the women's wrestling. Okay, it definitely happens a lot on the men's side. It happens more on the men's side because there's more men matches normally on AEW than women. But it's just, it seems like it's carelessness, and uh, we're avoiding major, major injuries, but I just don't like the fact, and look, on the positive, I'm with you, I, I don't, I, I didn't think we needed a glorified face turn with Hayter and uh, Britt Baker here. Now, I think it's funny that uh, Soraya and and uh, Tony Storm are in the back beating people up, saying, we don't need friends. They came over and were these great big baby faces, you know, at the end, you know, at the beginning and all this stuff. But, you know, at the end it, of the day, like, do you think their about roles, the No. The roles know? are fine, but I will say none of them feel that over. Oh, not anymore. No. Not at no, all. Sir. Not at all. Like, not at no, all. Where, no, think about where no, Tony no. was right when she came in, right where Pay, uh, where Soraya was right when she came in. None of them feel as hot. And Britt and Jamie both don't feel as over as they've been at their, at the mo- like their highest points. Now, let me ask you this, and this may spur some, some hate uh, DMs or some tweets. 
do you think it's because not a lot of the wrestling fans respect the women's division at AEW as much as they respect the WWE? And, 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 and I'm just being honest here. What do you think the reason is for that we're not getting this? Or, or do you think we're getting a separation of leaving WWE? I've always talked about that. When you change names and you move over to another company, it's sometimes hard. Why do you think we're not getting these longevity pops? Now, look, Britt Baker had one for the longest, and I still assume she probably still does when she comes into well, a Well, and I think it's kind I of simple. We had house shows now, too, so what, maybe that helps. What did we have on this show? We had one women's match. It's usually this mat. This time it was earlier on the card. It's almost always right before the main event, whatever the women's segment is. And we get we get uh, a picture in picture commercial break, right? Yep. We never get anything really with Jade Cargill on Dynamite. They I don't do a think lot we of stuff on this week Ram- we? on Rampage, and they don't. I, I think it start okay. honestly. You want to know when it honestly happened? When Thunder Rosa won the title. That's when it started. Before that, Britt Baker felt like a star, and she felt like she was as over as any of the men, and whenever Britt Baker came out, the segments were good, her matches were pretty good, but her segments were always interesting and fun, and her promos were good stuff, and they were entertaining. As soon as Thunder won the title, and it wasn't her fault, they just didn't treat her like a champ. She well, didn't even get to come remember, out and cut promos. Her first, remember, right when she won. Yes, I just remember she's backstage and it's like, hey, you, your speech of the Oscars is too long. We're going to commercial break. Started playing the music and she's like looking around. You bring up a very, very valid point. And then they got, they went into the, the interim stuff. She got oh, hurt yeah. and they yeah. had the interim title for a while. So Tony Storm was your interim champ and it, it, just didn't Here's really look and let me be I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. I'm gonna be really freaking honest with you here. There's a lot of a lot of good female talented wrestlers in AEW. Mercedes Martinez is your ring of honor women's champion. Athena dude, I just don't get why they can't make this division work on AEW. It's kind of like the WWE women's tag team champions. It does not work. It hasn't worked in a long time. And we keep giving them chances and opportunities. Uh, it's worked on NXT, the women's tag team champions. It, I just don't know why this division hasn't been able to work because there is talent there. Even if you're not that five-star wrestler, okay? Britt Baker isn't, and she's fantastic to watch. I just don't get it. it. Why? And it I think might come down to the producing, right? And the leadership and it just does. like how the does. division is run. Like who's really in charge of it Look, there. And you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it here. I, I just don't think they care much about women's wrestling. The, the, the top brass in AEW. I'm just I think be they say they do. And I they don't want they it do. to that's seem like they want it to seem like they do. That's, Cause nobody that's wants BS. to come off. But what, when you watch their shows, com- for example, we had Becky versus Bailey in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Neither one of them has any title at all. They're not the women's champion or anything. They're just a singles feud, and they were in the main event of Monday Night Raw in a cage. Like, how many singles women's... Maybe you could get, like, a Paige Soraya or Soraya versus Britt. Maybe. I, I just... I, and it would be for the title. I just... That's just... They don't treat the women that way really at all and yeah it's a it's a bummer because there are some talented women there and if they are talented if they're not talented if you're a woman 
you need to stay away from MJF because, oh my God, Chad, this promo that he cut, I will say they're trying to make sure that nobody cheers for this guy and that you hate him. I think with the, with some of these things, they're a little cringy and they're, they, he, I don't, it's not like I'm, I'm like bothered by it. I just don't know if it's getting all the right reactions that he wants. I mean, he, so Lexi Nair is doing the, a lot of the interviews. She goes and she's outside of MJF's locker room. He calls her in, calls her sweetheart, tells her to sit next to him. <laughs> he says, everyone's talking about Takeshita, like he's the next thing. Um, I'm a generational talent. He, uh, and he says, you know what? Danielson and the fans treat me like I'm sort of scumbag. He said, do, do they hate me because I'm twisted or, or became twisted uh, or... He said, do they hate me because I'm twisted Or if he became twisted because he's hated He said, in high school he was driving his blue Camaro And he got speeding tickets He was one point away from getting his license taken away He was at junior prom With a bunch of his buddies And this girl who he thought was perfect And he took her for a a ride While she gave him a ride And he mouths and mimics a BJ Like he's getting a beach And, (laughs) And He Says he goes to put his foot on the brakes But he hit the accelerator and he hits a telephone pole His hands are covered in blood His girl's head cracked the windshield Police sirens began to roar At that moment I found out what kind of man I am I put my finger under her nose to make sure she was breathing She was So I grabbed her lifeless body And put her in the driver's seat So the cops thought she was driving the history book sees only winners and losers. They don't care how you get the job done. Danielson doesn't take doesn't have what it takes to get the job done. He will not earn a title match later. Wow. <sighs> this is a Katie, yeah, this is a Katie Vick vibe it, here. This WWF. was because this was like murder. <laughs> Did he just say he attempted like he like man manslaughter involved? <laughs> I, this was like whoa. There dark. was a few. And again, like he's entertaining. So a couple of things he says, you're just like you laugh. It's like whoa, I can't believe it. And I just wonder, like, do, do you honestly think he's getting this kind of stuff approved, or is he just totally on his own right now? Like, is he is is this all is this sort of a shoot in that Tony Khan knows this guy's contract is up in what now it's ten months, right? It's now now the, now the clock's starting to tick a little bit, right? It's ten months. You lost CM Punk. This guy, you just went and paid a bunch of money to, to bring him back to have him honor his contract. Do you sort of feel like you have to allow him to go out there and say whatever he wants? Um, I think I at the end of the day, I don't know, but my my best guess here, Gino, I think this is something they're, you know, the guy let it be known that he wants to be a massive free agent. When his contract is up is next year, right? Twenty twenty four. Mm-hmm. The uh, war of twenty twenty four. The the bidding war of twenty twenty four. You know, and by then, who knows if he he's one of the biggest stars in AEW then or not? WWE even wants to even look at him. Who knows? I think this is a part of just hey, we're edgy. We're gonna let you say. I mean, it's the same. We saw Christian uh, cut these gloomy, uh, you know, uh, promos against. Uh, Jungle Boy, uh, we've heard other people make fun of, uh, you know, all kind of things. I think this is something they're going to let him do. 
Um, I don't think MJF needs this in his character. I, I think you you boo him less because he says of this. I don't know. I look. We I asked you last week. Do you think MJF is cold after this? He is not. Let me say. Okay. Again, he's where he was at his at CM Punk and in Wardlow before losing to Wardlow and coming back, and maybe even right before beating Moxley. You know. He said, like, he's an A. He was one of the best things going on TV. He was the most entertaining thing all the time. I say right now, since he has won the title, because what's been difficult for them, I think what's starting to hurt them a little too is that the sort of the schedule of their pay-per-views, that the they only have them, like, their last pay-per-view was November. And immediately after MJF won the title, Brian Danielson, we knew he was the challenger in November, like immediately after that. And then they've set up the gauntlet for him. And now there's still another month. At least the story is being built well. But I think some of these storylines go on a little too long. And then others, they try to kind of rush. It's not as smooth as like every four weeks or five weeks or six weeks, like how WWE has that formula to where you sort of can build to the pay-per-views a little bit better. I think it's been harder for them to do so. And now we have Brian Danielson wins his match against Roosh. I did, I will give them credit. I did like that they, the little thing they did where they have him locked in the room with the yeah. camera. Yeah. Cause they had him in there with the cameraman and with Renee, like they were about to cut a promo before he went out for his match. And then you hear the, the music and they go to open the door and the door is locked. <laughs> and, so I, I kind of like the way they did that. And your good friend, um, Aubrey, got a chance to shine on the mic, Chad Cooper. Uh, she got oh. her moment to one, Ooh. two. Ooh. She got to really do the count. You know what it reminded me of? Like when uh, in the old Royal Rumbles, when Howard Finkel would, would introduce the rules and they would all make fun of him because it was like, okay, here's Fink's moment to shine. Yeah. It's now time for the Royal oh. Rumble. When the first uh, entrant comes out, entrants one and two will come out and they will go through and you have to get over the top rope. And and every year, Jerry Lawler would be like, can Fink just shut up? You know, like, it, was, it was definitely a running joke. You could tell that like they would they would rib Fink, I'm sure about it each and every year. But this was. um, Yeah, um, I, I just haven't been as high on MJF as late. Like I'm saying like a C plus. A B minus with how he's been. He doesn't feel, he just doesn't feel as big. He's he's still really entertaining and does a lot of creative stuff, but it doesn't. I don't know. Something happened when I'm just I, something happened with this Wardlow stuff. Yes, I think they were so hot and they just went one way with you know and the other way with the other, and I just you know because Wardlow squashed him. MJF was off TV. And then MJF comes back, gets gets like the 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 poker chip, and he's in the championship match and wins it and wins, and it. wins it. Yeah. And then Wardlow goes the other way after squashing the hell out of MJF. He wins the title and then gets beat a bunch. It was just too. I think I think their next pay per view is March fifth. I just looked it up. So we still so got a month. Have, yeah. yeah we, Three, we, uh, uh, Revolution is, is San Francisco, California. Saturday, March 5th. And after that, you're going to May. It's double or nothing. So, I mean, you've, it's still a while. You know, we don't even really know matches other than 
what it's not well, and, on paper yet. Other and than- how and and maybe what they're doing with this show has to be different because you I tell you what, Chad, you cannot have a 14 match show when you've got yeah. a, an hour long Iron Man match booked on your card. That match Ooh, is going no. 60 minutes. No, if you have a five hour pay per view, that's that's a wrap. You're not gonna make yeah. it. So Excalibur says it's official. MJF is the worst person in the world. That made me <laughs> laugh. That was really good. That was good stuff. <laughs> okay. So we have the next gauntlet. Another mm. gauntlet. Holy Stop cow. You've heard this one before. There's a gauntlet. But this one makes no sense because the guy trying to get through the gauntlet has already beat the guy that he has to get through the gauntlet in order to wrestle again. So, okay. And guess he what? Beats, he beats the first two guys in the gauntlet. Then he gets to what's supposed to be the third Danny Garcia and then the fourth Sammy Guevara. Oh, boy. When he's at the third, he loses. He doesn't even make it to the fourth and then lose. <laughs> he loses at the third. And then when he's when he loses, it's because a quote-unquote fan <laughs> with a back elbow. I, I got to say, Taz was really good on this show. Yeah, I don't know what was. it was. He was I've funny. always liked Taz Me on the too. mic. I'm going to be honest with you. Me too. You know what? And he's gotten better, just more comfortable as he's gotten older. Like, he says funny and stupid stuff. You know, like, you know, Shivani's the baby face, and he's like, Shivani, what are you, he's the first guy that's ever cheated in wrestling? What are you going to say? You know, and it's like, uh, I guess you're, you know, he just, good, good night. From Taz. Yeah, this fan out here giving this Judas effect to people. And Taz is like, I don't know. He, I've never seen him before. He doesn't, I, I can't recognize him. And, and, and then uh, Excalibur, oh yeah, he gave the Judas effect. So it was Jericho in a mask. So <laughs> Daniel Garcia wins. Which I assume that's what we're going for, right? Garcia versus Jericho is what we're going to get at. You I know, just, that is a bad way to get to it. This made absolutely zero booking sense. None whatsoever. Zero. So now None. the Starks Jericho thing is over. It's officially over. It, I mean, it just made no sense. And you, and the name in the gauntlet match was the what? what, what the what, Garcia Guevara gauntlet, and, and Guevara didn't get in it. Didn't even participate. It, that uh, was bad. It just was bad. It, it is what it is. It was bad. It was bad. Bad booking. They uh, they were then. Backstage setting up for the match with Brian Danielson versus Roosh, which this match with 15 minutes, this was bloody. This was it was supposed un- to be like this. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um Brian when Daniel Bryan left WWE and he he talked with Vince when when they were discussing his um leaving, because Brian Daniel Daniel Bryan loves Vince. He, sure. Whatever a lot of people say about him, he's mentioned. Remember the remember the like the the um the big article he wrote about Vince, like, I wish people could see you the way I saw you. Um, and look, it, let's remember that Daniel Bryan, uh, part of the Nexus, was fired after one of their hostile takeovers for choking, what's his name? Uh, Justin, Justin Roberts. Roberts with a tie. Yep. And Ryan Danielson has said to Vince when he left, I want to bleed. And Vince said, I can't let you, you're not going to be able to do that here, pal. <laughs> so, like, when I watch the these matches, I it's weird because I I guess I don't get as worried for Brian Danielson as much anymore because he seems pretty healthy. And you know what? Like this is what this guy wants to be doing. This is this he could have been a guy winning WrestleMania main events right now. He could be. Sure. 
He could be a guy that is for the next few years still one of the most over guys doing the yes chance. But he left because he wanted to go have matches like this. And you know what? Whatever makes you happy to each their own. And I truly believe this guy is happy because this is what he wants. This was like as good of a match as you will see on AEW Dynamite. It was very good. It was 15 minutes. You knew what was going to happen. Brian Danielson picks up the win. But damn, this... This was really good, and because they were in El Paso, there was a lot of uh, Eddie Guerrero uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. chants and moves and all sorts of uh, stuff. And I guess after the show, Jericho came out and cut a promo and said, oh, I love Eddie Guerrero. I loved beating the Eddie Guerrero every time we ever wrestled. Like, he got a great <laughs> heel promo, and the crowd, they said, was just t- like booing the hell out of him and stuff. So, like, he, and he came out and said... Oh, that was my friend, you know, I love him And then he he spun it real great Like, I loved beating him every time I could And for the cruiserweight and for this and for that And it, so it was uh, great stuff there We had, you knew something was up That the Elite match didn't main event Right, yeah You knew something was gonna be, was weird Like, hmm, why is the the tag team title match Against the Guns the main event? That seems oh, kind of weird and well, why no. is that match on Smack, uh, SmackDown? Why is it on Rampage? It's on, yeah. they, they taped it for Rampage. Yeah, so we've got first the Elite versus Top Flight and AR, AR Fox, who was in Lucha Underground, too. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, somebody on one of the things I was watching or listening to said it, it was like when Super Mario powers up. That yeah. <laughs> looked like that. It was He was just and then you get the star. And the star gets like he was he was flying. He would just jump bolt bump. Him and Kenny had a couple sequences that were incredible. They're beating the hell out of each other. It's just insane, insane, insane. My only problem is I didn't really love the way it pinned. It was like a reversal of a crucifix. Hate like, it and yeah, and, and we we complain about these these some of these matches that are really good in WWE and they have a crappy ending, whether it's a cheap roll up or you know or foot on the rope. I, I did not like the end of this match. It would have been perfect without the ending. Me too. Uh, that was that was the only thing that bothered me there. But a really good match and good stuff in yes. ring from all of them. We had a quick little vignette on Hook, and then we saw Hook go after so- uh, Stokely in the back. So. um they talked all about Rampage. What was sort of strange, they had a few things listed for Rampage. They didn't have anything listed for Dynamite. And that's odd because we usually I, have a full list. Excalibur is like, and next week on Rampage. And then on this week on Ring of Honor. And then on Dynamite next week, let's get seven different matches. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's just, <laughs> he's out of breath and everybody laughs and they're all making fun of him. So it was really weird that they didn't have yeah, anything listed. Um which is something that I actually really enjoy that they do. Like, I like that they always have stuff booked. I think WWE needs to do that more. I yes. want to know what you have on Raw and SmackDown, at least two matches and maybe a segment for every show. Give me those at least. As we got to the main event, the acclaimed, the most <laughs> over tag team in WWE. Honestly, I would say, because as just an individual tag team, I would even say they are the most over tag team in all of wrestling because I sort of put the Usos as part of the bloodline, you know, and that's like a storyline. I think the Usos on their own right now wouldn't even be as over as the acclaimed have been. I was there a few weeks ago on the 16th, on the 11th, 
scissoring my buddy Matt Larusa, scissoring <laughs> everybody next to me. We this was is a going, PG show, Gino. Everybody was getting scissored there, and you and I said last week, "There's no way they could have the most over act probably on the show. Definitely like the hottest tag team. Everything. There's no way they Fantastic could have them promos. Lose. Fantastic yeah. promos. Right. No womp, way. Womp. <laughs> And the match is not like it's fine. It it what ended up happening too, you could tell stuff was off. All of the timing, all of the execution was off. First of all, if you're going to do this and you're going to have the guns win, you have to have Billy Gunn be the reason why. It like didn't he say, I'm not going out there. And then he goes out there. Where it all he had to do was just take the belt, hit Max Caster, put his son on it, cover him. The guns get the win, and then we find out that Billy Gunn says, "This is my way of making up. I wasn't always there for you. I wasn't around. Let me try to be a good dad now, moving forward." You know, like boom, so easy. Tells the story. You got the baby faces chasing him again. Nope, they don't do that. They just have the guns. Hit their dad with the belt. Mm. Then the guns cheat to win, but their heels, it wasn't like anything absurd or anything more than we saw with MJF or any other person cheating. And then the timing was way off because the show was over with like two minutes left, which is never the case. They are literally always going off the air with Excalibur screaming about what's coming on Rampage. And they were standing in the ring. The guns walked out, and then the acclaimed sort of looked at each other. They didn't know what to do, and then their music started playing. It was awful execution for a show that had three like really, really great matches on the show. They can't seem to put that one show all together, can they? No, and it's and there's you're look you're going to have bumps and hiccups, but it seems like they can't get a solid bookend. Bookended show that starts really good and ends really good. It just seems like something always runs a musk. And I'm not talking about botches or production issues because that even happens sometimes in WWE. Absolutely. Not as much, but it does. But it just seems like they can't do the the it's, the entire show for some Well, it, you know what it, it it sounds like? And I again, I don't know, so <clears throat> I'm not saying, but it just doesn't feel like there are production meetings going on. No, the, I don't think there is. I don't think there's very right. many. There and if there are or like if there's one or if there are different ones at smaller levels, right? With like the match getting Within worked the on, match booking, producing yeah, the yeah. match. Do you guys go sit down for twenty minutes or a half an hour and map this thing out, or like workshop it? Like you you throw things out there and they go, no, that doesn't work. Let's try it like this, right? That's how you hear how matches were put together before with the greats. Like they talked it all out. I wonder if if that happens and sometimes. Because some of these guys and gals are so athletic, you sort of lean on that a little bit more than the storytelling. And you're like, Could no, be. we go out there and do these do these matches, and we got like a lot of great spots we can do. And then, you know, you you miss a spot or two, and then your flow is all off. And then if you don't have a story and your spots are off, you're you're really in some trouble. So, I mean, yeah, it would good. be Gino. It would be very reckless to say they don't care about certain. Things. There's no way that they cannot care about it. You know, 
There's just no way you can. They could say, "Oh, we don't care about if there's a botch or two. No, you, you have to, or, or production, or not seeing this, or not seeing that. I, I look. I know this. It's it's a tale of two different organizations. But if this guy is going to get out each and every week and run his gums, you pop his chops. He's got to get tighter. And this is seen. This this has become. Something that happens very frequently on TV, and it hasn't been fixed, and it looks like it's not going to be fixed. If they can sew that up, it'd be a lot more well-balanced show that flows fairly well. That's how WWE has been able to be king for so long. Their shows may be three hours, but they flow. They they move. You're right. And even even when they're sometimes they drag or they the. They move from one segment and they transition into things well, and they don't step on top of each other like something that no. happened early. You don't see the same exact thing happen later, and if it does, we tell you why did they just have three roll up finishes, or why right. did they just have three distraction finishes? Because it's not really like them. They do a little bit better job of making sure the production stuff is is clean. And yes, do they have a thirty five year head start of putting TV together? Absolutely. AEW has a lot of people that have been with WWE and that have worked in pro wrestling. There. There's, a lot of there, there. there's a lot of good people that know what they're talking about. So, um, again, mixed positives, some negatives with the production stuff. Great in-ring. Koopa Loop, we're a few days out from the big one. We've got the Chiefs as a slight dog against the Eagles. Is there anything uh, in particular you like about the game, the side, any props? How are you looking to play this thing? Gino, I'm a prop guy. Uh, the wackier, the better. You know, uh, sure, I'll lay a bet on the game, but I, I really don't have a feel which way. I think Philadelphia has the better team. I think Kansas City has the best player. I don't know how that works out. So I, I'm not going to, you know, me telling you which way I'm going on this has zero bearings of what people should be listening for any expertise. But I like a couple of props. I like three props. And what, and two of them are wild, Okay. And I've, I was able to find this on, on one of the books. Will a kicker or punter make a solo tackle for plus 650? I'm Look at this. It. Look at this. I love that. That's a great okay, one. We I'm saw that it. last week with okay. Robbie Gold, right? I'm yep. on it. Okay. Maybe somebody shakes loose and this guy has to make a, a shoestring tackle. I'm on it. Okay. The second prop. Will Kansas City kicker or the Philadelphia kicker make a 55-yarder or longer field goal? For plus four twenty-five, I'm on it. We're in Arizona, like a right, right before half or a game to win, or out. like a right before halftime or a game winner. Sure, right? Like, and, and look, here's the here's the last one. Here's the wild one for me. This is my favorite. Yeah, I'll bet the coin toss, but yeah, that here's my even before the game gets started, I'm gonna bet the total, the over under on the national anthem. Okay. Okay. And while I look, I, I've been known to be an over homer. And when certain singers get up there, they like to draw it out, you know. But when certain other people get up there and sing it, they like to get it over with. This year's singer, who? It's a country artist, Chris Stapleton. So I had to look at some trends. And most of the men who sing the national anthem go under. I'm going under a minute, 59 and a half seconds on the national anthem, Gino. Okay, Coop, some of the ones for me, which, I, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of Rihanna. And uh, Rihanna oh, I looked at is that. singing I looked at that. on the halftime show. And so what I'm thinking, first off, we're closing with Umbrella. 
plus 300. Got Lock you. that one in. Yeah, there's got to be some the rain. When the sun shines, we'll shine together. Yeah. Told you I'd be there for. And the umbrella comes out because you yes. bring the umbrellas out. That way, you don't want the props in the middle when you're having a bunch no. of other songs still. You wait till Good the point. end for the props. So plus 300 for umbrella at the end. Love it. And you get also, if she has an umbrella that she opens up, plus 275. Oh, so if Jay-Z appears plus 300, Jay-Z's definitely going to be there. She <laughs> he did that song with her. I think we could get all of those in the same song at the Ooh, end. Umbrella do. to close and Jay-Z all together. And Jay-Z it. was just at the uh, the Laker game in L.A. earlier in the week with LeBron uh, when LeBron passed uh, uh, Kareem for the record. Kareem? Yeah. And so I think we're going to open with. Yellow diamonds in the sky. Now we're standing side by side. We found love in a hopeless place. So do, 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 do. We found love Woo! at plus 700. Close with it. umbrella at plus 300. Open an umbrella at plus 275. Jay-Z at plus 300. I can't find it anywhere, but I want to find if we can get Eminem out there. I think Eminem oh. is going to show up a little. Love the way you lie. And <laughs> friends with a monster inside I mean, who, who gives you singing handicap analysis Look each at and that. every week on this show? I, and I can, <laughs> let me tell you, I've had so much fun last year and years back with Katy Perry. I actually scored very big because what I've done, and I did it again, is look through on YouTube and online, some of their concert sets yeah, and sure. see what songs they use to open and to close with on sure. their tours. Look so, you know what? Past performances, race look replays. That. That's what like, I did with the national anthem. Video you research. Know, if you, just like, look, if you have a female national anthem singer, they like to draw those notes over out. and over. And, look, <laughs> and it's usually the over under are usually like 201, 202. But look, they'll draw that out to 210, 215. But some of these guys, Chris Stapleton, yeah, he's been around for a little while. He's a hot country name. I, this guy's going to go under. I don't think he wants to be the star of this show. I think he's going to go under. And you have to do research on this. Yes. It, 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 and I'm going the under here. And I know they've lowered it. A minute 59 is pretty quick. But I've seen some 155s on some male singers. Okay, Billy Joel went under 155 several years ago. You know, I love it, man. These props are, are you know what? And They're boom, a blast. Boom. You're They're a blast. blast. They are. Well, Coop, man, I appreciate it. We got yeah, we had man. a long a long episode today. We had a lot of stuff to cover. Thank you so much, and good luck this weekend. You have you a blast. It, I are I plugged you in. Um, I, I plugged you in a couple freebies in the squares. Go! So I'll, I'll send you your numbers. You got a couple in the two dollars and a couple in the five dollars. So I'm gonna draw the numbers right. a little later on today, and I'll I'll send them your way. I uh I plugged you in a few, so hopefully you can get a a win on there. Thanks to the million dollar man. <laughs> All right, buddy. Sounds okay, good. Okay, brother. See you next uh, week, man. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper, and we'll uh, we'll talk to him again next week. And next week we'll be previewing the Elimination Chamber. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. Big thank you to Chad for helping us out with this week in wrestling. As that will do it for this episode. Thank you to Koopa Loop. Thank you to Eric for helping us out with NFL. We make that transition right on over next week. We'll start talking NBA. We'll start talking college basketball with Eric as we're yeah we're only a month out from March. We'll get into conference tournaments soon, and then into the NCAA tournament. Those first two days, there's nothing like that. 
We'll uh, continue along with Santa Anita and with Gulfstream and the big Kentucky Derby prep races wherever they are over the next few months. So much great stuff ahead on That's What G Said. Hey, we got the uh, Ant-Man coming up soon, Quantumania. We're going to get into the Mando, Mandalorian, a new season coming up with some recaps of those. So it never stops. The content always keeps coming. We always have so much to discuss, and we always appreciate you hanging out with us here on That's What G Said. Let's close it out with the same song that I'm hoping Rihanna closes out the Super Bowl halftime show with a little bit of Umbrella. Because when the sun shines, we shine together. Told you I'd be there forever. Said I'd... Let's, actually, let's just get right into Joey Cleveland. Good luck this weekend, folks. <laughs>